0: Hello. I'm Doctor Who, and these are my plucky assistants, Thing One and the other one.
1: Bill Nardole.
0: We picked up your distress call, and here we are to help, like awesome heroes. Yeah, we're not we're not assistants. That's okay, right. What so? What does he call you? Companions, pets, snacks? <laughs> Someone's watching. Well, it's
1: quite a good beat, really, isn't it? Yeah, maybe we should be moving on.
0: Yeah, and he calls us friends. Oh, Doctor! but think of the age gap! Stop mucking about and concentrate.
1: Now, doll, do something non irritating On it, sir.
0: Time lords are friends with each other, dear. Everything else is cradle-snatching.
1: Oh, it's a big one. Shit, reads 400 miles long and 100 miles wide. It's big, even for a colony ship. Anything else? Uh
0: oh. Ooh, Look at that.
1: Finally. Start so watching plants grow. It's heading towards a black hole.
0: No... No, it isn't. It was heading towards a black hole until somebody noticed. Now they're trying to reverse away from it. Engines are on reverse thrust, see? Hmm. Oh.
1: Well, it's succeeding.
0: Very, very slowly. Explains the distress call, I guess. So, a 400 mile ship reversing away from the gravitational pull of a black hole.
1: We haven't fun yet.
0: Hello, and welcome to Who Watches Who, a Doctor Who podcast with me, Matthew. And as always, I am joined with. Hello, it's Scott. Hello, Scott, and we are now continuing on... With looking through Doctor Who chronologically, uh, with every Doctor that is. We finished off Matt Smith era last month, and now as we enter into October, we are taking a look at one of my personal favourite Doctors, with Peter Capaldi, uh, and the incredibly good Series 10 finale, World Enough and Time and The Doctor Falls. We're looking at World Enough and Time this week, and The Doctor Falls next week, and This is just a fucking awesome time, and I can't believe that we're on Peter Capaldi already. We're going to be looking at Jodie again really soon. my God. God. It feels like ages (laughs) since I watched a Jodie episode. Uh. Uh, But we talk about Chibnall all the time, so it also doesn't (laughs) feel like it was that long ago. Uh, But this episode... World Enough and Time first aired on the 24th of June 2017, which was a Saturday and uh, extremely upsetting six years and three months ago. Uh, could you, The well, I mean, the U.S. president at the time was, of course, Mr. Donald J- John Trump. Famous for being an insurrectionist and a hater of democracy. Uh, but could you, Scott, guess as to who the UK Prime Minister was <laughs> at this time? I asked this question because this is around the time where we're uh-huh. getting a new Prime Minister every week, it feels like. So do you yeah. remember which one of them was Prime Minister in 2017, in June? It must have been Theresa May, right? Four. It was. It was okay, Theresa yeah. May. who, Who, looking back at it, I wish... You know, uh, I miss I miss the Prime Minister being a wet blanket of an awkward, awful person, <laughs> uh, you know, rather than what we ended up getting with, like, Boris Johnson and then the incompetency of Liz Truss. And now we have Rishi Sunak, who's just like, I hate green energy that's his new platform his new platform is i don't want renewable energy anymore uh like let's get rid of that which is an interesting stance to take as we keep breaking records of heat uh like every goddamn mm-hmm. summer <laughs> you know they're probably going to lose the next election i fucking yeah hope. And there's, <laughs>
1: there's also speculation there another never general actioners. I'm i'm sick and tired of it <laughs> it's such a nightmare general election
0: general election is due to happen next year. Like it will mm. have been five years. Can you believe that? Five years since Boris Johnson won. Uh, it's, it Christ. fucking feels like 25. Uh, but, so we are due, we are due right. an election next year uh, at some point. Whether or not that happens sooner, who knows? Uh, like the Prime Minister can literally call an election at any time. And he should, because he will lose, <laughs> and that's a good idea. Uh, but, I mean, he's going to win. Rishi Sunak, call an election right now uncle great uh uh, could you guess as to what is the number one film in the box office in the i mean the united states mainly but what's what's number one making all the money making all that money (sighs) in the cinemas
1: okay i know we're a month away from spider-man homecoming um what came out a month before that (laughs) can you give me a hint 2017 Uh, it is a sequel Oh, it's not a very helpful hint. Sequels come out okay. every fucking week. <laughs> it's animated. Animated movie in twenty seventeen.
0: Yeah, it came out at the end of June. Mm. <laughs> a lot of people were excited by the trailer, even though the series is famously not that great.
1: Oh, so cars free? It is Cars
0: 3. Okay. <laughs> Cars 3 is number one at the box office at the minute. Mm. Uh, it's only number one for a week before getting taken over by Transformers the Last Night, uh, and it it beat out Wonder Woman. Uh, which was number one. And that's a movie I don't understand why people like. Wonder Woman is not a good movie. Uh,
1: but <laughs> Wonder Woman is kind of good up until the third act, where it's just a CGI mess. I like the first two yes. acts enough, whereas like, the first two acts are like a 7 out of 10, I think. I mean, it kind yeah. of just goes downhill towards the end, whereas uh, The God of War, I don't even know what the fuck happened Yeah, movie. it was it,
0: <laughs> it was bad. And it was really bad CGI as well, which didn't mm-hmm. help um but that's what dc did at the time maybe things will get better i will see i really hope um uh, cars 3 27... is a
1: movie i've not seen yet i hear it um one thing that comedian griffin newman says is uh cars 3 no cars 2 no wait i've i've,
0: I've lost the joke <laughs> cars... that was a good joke this is really funny was a really good setup and a really good payoff to that joke. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> hey, cars um, cars seen...
1: Cars I'll, I'll, I'll get this. Cars. Okay. Two. We'll just wait. Cars <laughs> Give me a You'll second. Get there.
0: <laughs> it's okay. We'll just sit. It's not like we're 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 making a show or anything. We'll just sit and wait. Cars and remember this joke. Cars two makes Cars three
1: look like Cars One. <laughs>
0: Cars two makes Cars three look like Cars one because it, okay, so car- Cars two is so bad it makes yes. Cars three look even better. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, like Cars. I, I I haven't seen Cars three either. I remember the trailer being like, "Damn, Lightning McQueen in a big crash. That looks cool." And then I never bothered to think about the movie again. Um, I might watch it at some point, but probably not anytime soon. It's not really on my to-do list. Um but yeah, it's certainly a movie of all time. Uh yeah. anyway, uh <laughs> that is that's all I've got for the on this day segment. It's very nice and brief because this was very recent in history. Uh Scott, why don't you take us into you said a director's corner this week? Oh my <laughs> Oh my, yes, uh, George Takei. Oh my. Oh my. <laughs> oh my. Uh, this episode <laughs> was
1: written by Stephen Moffat, and it's directed by Rachel Talalay, who we haven't actually covered an episode from yet. Um, Rachel Talalay, of course, directed all of the series finals for Peter Capaldi. Some of the best-looking episodes of Doctor Who, I would say. Um, yeah, Uh, She was born in Chicago in 1958. Her father was a pharmacologist and her mother was a biochemist. And she graduated from Yale University in 1980 with a major in mathematics, where she also ran the Yale Film Society. So she's obviously interested in film around this time. Uh, She worked as a computer programmer at Johns Hopkins. Uh, She was considering going to film school because she wanted to break into into the film industry, but had no idea how to do that until one day. She saw a casting call for a John Waters movie called Polyester in 1981. Are you familiar with John Waters?
0: The name sounds familiar, but I, I don't know if I know any of the work.
1: Uh, you'll if you if you look up the man, you'll recognize him straight away. <laughs> like he has one of those faces.
0: One of the most iconic oh, yeah, faces. Oh yeah, 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 I know his face. Yeah, I know his face. Yeah.
1: You would know him yep. from The Simpsons mainly, but he directed movies like Cry Baby and oh god what's a really uh, Pink Flamingo which is like which he created as one of the most disturbing movies of all time like there's a scene in Pink Flamingo where uh, the drag queen Divine has a birthday party and one of the guests or one of the performers at the birthday party prolapses his anus and starts jigging it around to the song Surfing Bird (laughs) like he just wants that movie to be as disgusting as possible
0: (laughs) great great (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who watches Pink Flamingo? When? <laughs> uh, it's it's I don't know if that is something I want to watch immediately. <laughs> like, you've really you've done a great job selling it. Uh. <laughs> um.
1: So she wrote for my note asking if she could become a production assistant. And the producer says, if you can work for free and you have a car, you're hired, basically. And she soon wound up meeting a load of people in the film industry. As uh, soon as she wound up working on the first four Nightmare on Elm Street movies. On the uh, Elm Street movies, she worked her way up from being a, a assistant to a production manager to a producer. So these are the first four Nightmare on Elm Street movies. And her main responsibilities on the first two movies was to find the locations. While on the third one, she claims that it was her special effects education where she was tasked with making the effects look as good as possible, while also keeping uh, costs low. And this sounds like she's perfect for Doctor Who, basically. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, Doctor Who training, really.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, um, her, the special effects on her apps as a Doctor Who looks like some of the best ones, because she knows how to... Make them look as good as possible in such a shoestring budget, like Jesus Christ. Some of the facts in this episode mm-hmm. is crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, this is a good-looking episode. It's even like the like the hole that gets put through Bill, like it's it's really easy for that sh- effect to look cheap and yes. weird. Uh, but it's it looks almost flawless. Like it doesn't feel jarring at all. It doesn't feel out of place. It feels like a like yeah, that that's a person with a hole in their chest. You know. <laughs> Yeah, and any other director would have probably
1: shot around it, maybe just shoot it from one angle and then not bother yeah. with like the pan up of her body. But, you know, mm-hmm. we get different perspectives on that whole, which is incredible. Uh, That's she- a fun sentence out of context. <laughs> Um, She wound up developing a close working relationship with John uh, Waters when New Line Cinema expressed interest in her being a producer on the original Hairspray movie, which John Waters was thrilled about when she told him. She would then produce Crybaby with him and eventually John Waters would officiate her wedding, which is really cool. (laughs) That is fun. if, If people aren't aware of John Waters they'd probably recognize him from the Simpsons episode he guest starred in called Homer's Phobia, where Homer Simpson basically befriends John Waters, and he doesn't realize he's gay. <laughs> <laughs> like like that's one of the yeah. one of the best yeah, episodes, a, and John Waters is, is basically episode. John Waters is basically playing a fictionalized version of himself here, because all of the characteristics of John in that episode is just him. He's a really fun dude. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's a fun that's a good episode. Memorable.
1: Uh so Rachel finally made her directorial debut in nineteen ninety one when she directed Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, and this is where she first experienced the sexism in the industry, sadly, where she was given memos to not be too girly or to be too sensitive in a film, which is a wild thing to tell her when she's worked on most of the movies up to this point she knows the tone of these movies but
0: yeah the, the men in yeah.
1: charge think
0: i woman's gonna make it all pink and glittery yeah which is but, yeah really sad
1: um she would only sadly direct two more films after this with ghost in the machine in 1993 and Tank Girl in 1995, which was based on a comic strip created by, well co-created by, one of the co-creators of the band Gorillas, which is really cool. Um, have yeah, you seen, yeah, really- oh. or have you seen, or heard about Tank Girl? Because it's kind of infamous. I've heard,
0: I have heard of Tank Girl. Uh, I've also heard of Ghost in the Machine. Um, I've never seen Tank Girl or Ghost in the Machine. Um... But I, *Tank Girl* was on Netflix for ages, and they kept recommending it to me with the big poster of the, uh, the yellow, the yellow background with the blue face. Um, hmm. But I have I never actually watched it. Is it worth a watch?
1: I haven't seen it. Um, it's become a bit of a oh. cult classic over the years, so I, I I'm thinking of watching it eventually. It's on MGM at the moment. Which is like an add-on to... Who has that? Who has that? Who has MGM?
0: Who subscribes to MGM Plus? Who are you? Do you have stock in MGM? Is that why you subscribe to MGM Plus? Like, who's who's that for? Yeah, I
1: don't understand why MGM is still a separate app when MGM is owned by Amazon. Why not move the catalogue to Amazon Prime? Bulk up the catalogue, especially when... Um, Amazon Prime is going to become dearer <laughs>
0: next year. Yeah, they're they're about to raise the prices. Like, a- <laughs> awesome! I clicked on um, Tank Girl for the Amazon Prime link, and for some reason, Amazon Prime has this movie which you can watch with an MGM uh, seven-day free trial. But the entire description is written in German, <laughs> and I don't know why. <laughs> Yeah,
1: Amazon Prime is a re- really weird broken service sometimes. Like
0: it it, it has the it's weirdest the worst. shit it's on it. It's the worst streaming service, but it's got some <laughs> hidden gems in it, you know.
1: You know, cuz um Amazon Prime has shit like oh Roblox videos. You know watch Roblox Plague for <laughs> <laughs> It yeah, has and it's it got The Boys right next to it, you know, same quality. <laughs> such a weird service but yeah tank girl has become a bit of a cult classic and one of the things on tank girl which rachel was actually kind of proud of she jokingly says she created with spice girls because two of the spice girls auditioned for the main role on that movie so they must have right. met behind the scenes when they were just in the casting call room and <laughs> i could just yeah. imagine spice girls a decent band you'd think it's a I shit band but don't
0: i don't think i've ever actively gone out my way to listen to any of their music i must have heard a song or two from like the radio as a kid but i have never i have never sat down and be like mm, let's listen to some spice girls right now so i can't tell you
1: i have a few spice Girls songs on my spotify playlist and i never i never skip them we're such a bop such a great band <laughs> Uh, But sadly, Tank Girl became a bomb and she found that all the doors suddenly started closing on her in the industry. So she wound up directing TV in America as well as UK. And this is one of those things where if she was probably a man, there's like a 60% chance she would have been able to get a new film. But because she's a woman and she had not so great hits, she had...
0: Yeah, I mean, all three of her movies didn't get great reviews. Yeah, which... Or make great amounts of money.
1: Which is a shame because she's a really good director you know and if she was a man she is if she was a man she would get she would have gotten more
0: chances i think which is a big shame and maybe a better script like better projects to work Mm -hmm. on um but yeah, no. She at least you know she did. She did end up having a very good career because this episode of Doctor Who is fantastic. Like...
1: Oh my god, it's brilliant. Um, she directed episodes of Band of Gold, Ally McBeal, Randall and Hopkirk, deceased, which she would have worked with Tom Baker on that one actually. Uh, she worked on the Dead Zone, Supernatural, and pretty much episodes of all the DC CW shows. So, so uh, and also Riverdale. So she she was part of a CW oh, interesting. factory. Interesting.
0: <laughs> wow, she was. Yeah, yeah. But you know, she didn't write the scripts, so that's not her yeah. fault. She didn't write. Uh, she didn't write. She didn't write an episode of Riverdale. Uh, uh, yeah, well, at least as far, maybe she did. Maybe she did.
1: Like, it, it's been a while since I've seen her episodes of BCW shows. I presume they must be some of the best looking episodes of those shows. I would presume so. <laughs>
0: you never know who knows and she also directed an
1: episode of sherlock in 2017 she also directed the tv movie wind in the willows in 2006 which co-starred bob hoskins matt lucas and mark gattis so she's Mm. she's part of the doctor who family for sure
0: (laughs) yeah yeah
1: um so yeah she's she has had a busy career since like 1995 just working on every television show imaginable basically uh but sadly she still faced a lot of sexism um at times on at times, she was told that cast and crews on some shows wouldn't want a woman to work with which is insane which is it's really sad <laughs> just a just yeah. a just the industry is just really it's depressing a cool
0: place. yeah it's a really cool place <laughs>
1: Uh, when Doctor Who came back in 2005, she became a fan and really wanted to work on it. She eventually got into the show in 2014 and directed the episodes. I basically said she's also going to direct the Star Beast, which is the first 60th anniversary episode, which I am so hyped about.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. Uh, uh-huh. You know, plus with the the extra budget, we've we've already seen in the trailers like yeah. this. show looks incredible. It looks ace now. So.
1: And if you want to hear our thoughts on the 60th anniversary trailers, we released a review of the trailer last week, which was fun to talk about.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it was a very thought-provoking discussion. Yeah, we really dove into the intricacies uh, of filmmaking itself and broke it down into a very understandable level. Um, and I think it got, I think it got about two million views. Uh, I think that oh, that's yeah. exactly yeah, yeah, sitting saying yeah. uh, about two million right now. Yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> um. So that's the career of Rachel Talley, and she, one of the things she really wants to do in the future is to do like a big budget, like a Star Wars movie with special effects and uh, explosives. And I think she would. She she needs to do a Star Wars. did They say Star Trek.
0: You said Star Wars, and then I the said... second time you went Star Wars.
1: <laughs> I was confused for some reason. Very I think I I'd sh- love to see a Rachel Talalay Star Wars movie or episode, you know? It'd be really cool. I, think,
0: I feel like at this point in her career, it's probably more likely she'd get an episode of a Star Wars show than a Star Wars movie. But yeah, I'd I'd be down to watch a, a Star Wars show episode directed by her. You know, be cool. Be cool. Um, Star Wars so, shows are pretty decent right now.
1: So some of the alternate titles for this episode was uh, Matt Lucas at one point, who was scared of the as a kid, suggested the title. That's a
0: weird title.
1: <laughs> uh, he suggested <laughs> the title "Keeping Up with the Mondasians," which I kind of dig. <laughs> You know if it's Doctor funny,
0: Who it kind of kind of ruins the Mondasian twist. <laughs> um, but, but you know,
1: you know if um, Doctor Who Confidential was around this time, they would probably have a title like that, giving up the Mondasians. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Worlds Enough and Time also had the placeholder title of X at one point, which only makes me oh. think of Twitter now. But Planet X is obviously yeah. where the Cybermen originate, so that's where we're going for. But I'm glad mm. we didn't choose X because all I could think of is Elon Musk. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, although, also, I think "World Enough and Time" is not a good title. Mm. Like, I don't like that as a title of this episode. I don't know what I would call this episode. But "World Enough and Time" is too mm. chunky. It's too too many words. It's a very wordy title. You know, it's not a memorable episode name. Whereas like the Doctor falls, the next episode. That's an easy easy title, it's memorable, it's snappy. World enough on time? Too many syllables. (laughs) Too many syllables. Yeah, but uh, this title was
1: inspired by a line from the poem called To His Coy Mistress, which was written in the 17th century by Andrew Marvel. I have no idea who he is or what the poem is about, but... (laughs)
0: Yeah, but yeah, I I'd agree with you. Andrew Marvel's the guy that came up with Marvel Comics. Yeah,
1: he is. Yeah, he, in- he invented so. Spider-Man. That's why it's
0: Marvel. Yeah, Marvel is <laughs> in his name. So that's the only way that that would make sense. But yeah, um, I'm, I'm not fond of a
1: <laughs> title either. I, uh, but, you know, there's worse titles. Yeah. Especially
0: in the Tribunal era. <laughs> no, there's not. This is the worst title ever. The Battle of Branskor Avkolos is the greatest title. World enough in time, too many syllables. Battle of Branskor Avkolos flows off the tongue. You know, it just it just down. It's 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 like a like a lovely drizzle of rain against a window. It's it's a beautiful, relaxing title. World Enough in Time, oh my god, it's like someone has stabbed my ears. Like it's that's that's how I feel about the situation. <laughs> uh so this
1: story was written in January of twenty seventeen, films between February and April, and it aired in June. This only left more of six weeks of post production, which is insane. <laughs> Six yep, weeks post-production.
0: Talk about crunch. Jesus and, Christ.
1: And this episode looks spectacular because you really need someone like Rachel Talley to really get... Because most of this is just, you know, on-the-day filming. It's not special effects, really. You know? Like, there's a few special effects here and there, but it's mostly just atmosphere created by Rachel Talley and the talented crew who work on this show, which, yeah... Oh, six mm-hmm. weeks. That's insane. I'm, that's... It's one one good thing that they're now doing them like a year and a half in advance, you know? Give them a proper year to get the special effects done, because otherwise...
0: As long as they don't get lazy with it, yeah, you know? They're (laughs) like, ah, we've got a year, let's just put it to the back burner. Oh shit, it's out next (laughs) week. (laughs) Like,
1: yeah, uh, that's the pre-production stuff for the, uh, the... um
0: what uh the battle of branskoroff <laughs> uh no world enough we're and <laughs> time
1: <laughs> world enough in time do you want to jump into the episode i forgot the title it's great yeah
0: let's let's jump into this episode finally shall we Woohoo!
1: i love disguises do you still like disguises of course they are rather necessary when you happen to be someone's former prime minister
0: the episode begins with a cold open in this uh, a cold open a cold because it's in the snow it's a cold open <laughs> well uh, done as well the, done. <laughs> as, the tar- as the TARDIS disappears and the doctor falls out uh you know, and he's 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 got big, long, poofy hair, which which is how you know it's a good Capaldi episode. The longer <laughs> Capaldi's hair becomes, the greater the writing is, uh, is how you judge a pure Capaldi's era. Um, but uh, he he falls to the ground and he starts to glow, a regenerative glow, and screams out, no, uh, as the regeneration takes over the rest of his body. Um, and then we cut to the intro credits and... Like when I was first, when I was watching this because I had only seen this episode when it aired and then watching it earlier today was my first time seeing it for a second time, uh, I was like, "Oh, that's a fun intro. That's kind of cool." Then I forgot that it happened because mm. it doesn't it doesn't relate to anything else in this episode like that this doesn't get paid off until uh, you know you were saying the christmas special you know when capaldi actually regenerates (laughs) uh so like seeing this as the cold open now i'm like oh this is exciting the Doctor's going to regenerate and then he doesn't do anything with that for the next two episodes and i forgot that this was the cold open Mm -hmm. like almost immediately into this into this show into this episode
1: yeah this is all the filmed for the christmas episode it was filmed on the 12th of june just a few weeks before the air date and it's obviously part of the christmas episode filming and it's just randomly shoehorned in here just i guess it's just to remind viewers his regeneration is coming up because the story as a whole doesn't feel like it's going to lead to a regeneration story like the fact that like with the, what causes the regeneration is kind of glossed over. To be honest with you, it's just it's just a very yeah. interesting way to do a regeneration episode. Um, I don't. I'm not the biggest fan of this cold open because I'd rather just jump right into the episode and you know what happens to Bill. Should have been the cold open the yeah. end of the cold open and then go into the credits because
0: yeah I mean, I mean the, the cold open of like the doctor coming out giving a heroic speech and then that not working that's a way more interesting cold open for sure, yeah.
1: Because if you're, you know, if, if you're watching the program before this, just to, whatever it is, the news or whatever, and you're thinking about watching Catchphrase on ITV at 7 o'clock and you're just sticking around for the, like, the <laughs> who's, first... Who's thinking of that? Who's thinking about watching Catchphrase? <laughs> Some boring old grandma, I presume, but if, you know, if if you if you watch the opening of this and you stick around till the, cre- till the intro, you're like, an old man glowing in the snow.
0: Okay, <laughs> you know. But I mean, like, if you if like uh, you know, if you're in the UK, you you're aware of Doctor Who, and you know what it looks like when the Doctor regenerates, or at least there's a high statistical chance that you do, you know. So like, I feel like the Doctor regenerating, like most people are like, oh damn, is the Doctor going to regenerate in this episode? Because again, like a casual audience isn't following doctor who news they aren't listening to the leaks and the rumors they don't really know when it's going to happen uh and then if they see it happening it's like oh damn is this the one like i get why they would put it in here but it does it doesn't feel like it belongs in this episode at all yeah Uh, i agree with that yeah
1: and for whatever reason it was always steven moffat's plan to have this as the gold open to the point where when it was screened for press audiences at like Probably like the beginning of June. They obviously haven't hadn't shot this opening yet, so the opening was just blank. It was just straight to the intro credits. But mm. I, you know, I, I just prefer the opening
0: being the whole, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Uh, after that, we then get the intro credits and cut to some very funky-looking establishing shots of a big, long, sausage-shaped spaceship <laughs> uh, outside of a black hole. Uh, and it's, it's a pretty cool-looking shot. We get some nice pans and whips around this thing to get a sense of its scale. And, the, you know, this is really, this is where we're spending the entirety of this episode for the most part, yeah. minus some flashbacks. So, you know, get used to being inside this spaceship. Uh, and then we cut to the TARDIS appearing inside like a control center off the ship and outside of uh, coming out of the TARDIS is Doctor Who herself, uh, Missy, <laughs> who is uh, Michelle Gomez is incredible in this episode. I mean, oh, she's yes. incredible in every episode, but I absolutely I forgot how much I loved Missy. I, like It's such an amazing interpretation of the character. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, going back to that. Opening sequence. It's like a minute long CGI sequence at the very start of the episode, and it really holds up because you're looking inside of the windows of the spaceship and you're seeing what appears to be the outside with, you know, grass and the sky yeah. and buildings. And it just, it's really good foreshadowing of what the setting is going to be next week, and it's really intriguing as well. And obviously, that. Like a minute long sequence. The fact we had six weeks to work on this—it looks incredible. It looks so good, <laughs> you know. I it am just—it—it yeah. it, it blew me away just watching it the other day. Just—it looks so good, and the music as well from Murray Gold. I'm very cri- I was very critical of. Murray Gold's later work, because he starts to reuse tracks, and maybe this is a reused track, but the music in this Mm. episode is really spectacular. I really love most of the musical choices.
0: Um, Yeah, Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it as well.
1: And yeah, just this era of this season of Doctor Who, the fact that the Doctor and the Master are kind of friends now is really cool. I loved it. Uh, I was like
0: (laughs) giddy with excitement when it happened. Absolutely loved it. Um, I was 17 when this episode aired, and it was just like, oh my god, I love everything about this.
1: (laughs) Oh god, I was 19. I was almost about to say when I was a kid. (laughs) But, you know, (laughs) when I was a kid watching this episode at 19. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs>
0: but yeah, um I've really I really we knew love each other. We might have, we might have been aware of or at least we were vaguely aware of each other at this point because I this would have been first year mm. of HND. Yeah. Um, so we w- w- so we would know each other better the next year. Um, but you know, this is this is we're getting close to meeting each other when this is airing. You
1: know? <laughs> what a great time! I wish I wish <laughs> we could have been talking about this every week. You oh know? yeah. Instead yeah. of instead <laughs>
0: instead we talked about Jody every week and we're like, God, it's so bad, isn't it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> instead of starting out with flux, you know, <laughs> what <a> nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, I really love Mrs connection with the doctor this season and michelle gomez is so brilliant in the role i think she's my second favorite master of all time uh she might be
0: my favorite of all time she might be my favorite of all time
1: because my favorite is still the original roger belgado he's always going to be my favorite but michelle gomez i wasn't too sure of her at first you know at, the, at in mm. series eight but she yeah. really found her foot in eventually you know she's really good in this episode and i might meet her next year at comic con so i'm looking forward to that
0: yeah i i think she might be she might be one of my favorite if not my favorite masters like i really like roger delgado he's like a very fun mustache like twirling like i am the villain sort of guy um and i really enjoy john sims interpretation of the master as well um i wonder if we'll ever see him again uh, (laughs) in doctor who uh, who knows? Uh, yeah. uh, I, I I don't think I, we'll I, be
1: covering a John Simm episode for a while. I'm uh, afraid.
0: Yeah, I don't think I don't <laughs> think we'll ever see him again in Doctor Who. Um, but yeah, it's uh, but I really loved. there's something about Michelle Gomez's interpretation of Missy. No, I just, like, I fucking, whenever she's on screen, I'm like, I don't want you to leave. They're like, you, I would watch an entire episode that is just you and Peter Capaldi talking. Please do that. Just talk and maybe kiss. Maybe kiss. (laughs) Like, I just, I love them. They got, like, amazing chemistry together and they play off that, the dynamic between the Doctor and the Master so well and it's one of the most interesting relationships. And it's also why I think People were so lukewarm about um, Sasha Dewan as the master. Yeah. Because Sasha Dewan is really good as the master. He gives a really good hammy, sort of over-the-top performance as this maniacal villain. But it feels like it's lacking that relationship with the Doctor that got established in the Missy era. You know, because like the Missy-Doctor relationship became so interesting and so compelling that when you suddenly see the master again and he's just like oh i hate you doctor i'm going to shoot you in the face while i monologue at you for the next 15 minutes <laughs> uh you know like that's suddenly like that's not what you want to see you want to see like oh i loved you doctor like what happened like what is where's this conflict rather than just big maniacal villain again um and you know i think missy is so good she ruined the next version of the master oh yeah like
1: <laughs> yeah that's, that's a problem with um the Sasha DeWan version is he doesn't really get much time to connect with Jody because, you know, his big monologue speeches usually just have Jodie standing there just listening, saying oh no, yeah. that's not true. You
0: know? Yeah, like barely acting like oh, No. Yeah Oh my god.
1: Like <laughs> 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 Yeah, what I love, yeah, it goes back to the Delgado days of, you know, John Pertwee and Roger Delgado when we covered the all oh, the sea the sea devils there's the scene yeah. inside of the prison where maybe the master has turned to good now. And maybe the doctor is beginning yeah. to trust the master and he's about to shake his hand. And uh, he's about to trust the master for the first time in years. And that's, that was a really lovely scene. And I really love the fact that the doctor really wants the master to turn to good. He wants some sort of redemption yeah. for the master. More like, than anything.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: And uh, he gets close in this episode. He gets close uh, in series 10.
0: It's, it's it's so heartbreaking. Uh, and it's, you know, the, the Missy comes out and she's got like an earpiece in and we see Bill and Ardole come out as well with the similar earpieces. Uh, Missy introduces herself as Doctor Who as uh, the Doctor is basically testing her out to see if she could be a good person uh, and do what he does, and so she's pretending to be him. And it leads to some very fun banter between her and Bill and Nardole, where she's trying to convince them that the Doctor's real name is Doctor Who. And it's also, like... I feel like, you know, Moffitt doing some lovely oh, yeah. meta commentary between like the old school Doctor Who fans and the, the new Doctor Who fans because I have talked to old people that uh-huh. grew up watching Doctor Who that call the Doctor Doctor Who, you know, and he used to be credited in the show as Doctor Who rather than the Doctor. Like even up to like David Tennant's era, like is Capaldi called Doctor Who at times? The I don't last remember. the last um, Doctor
1: to be credited as Doctor Who was um Christopher Eccleston and then David yeah. Tennant being a massive fan david tenage was like no his name is the doctor there's no doctor who
0: <laughs> yeah uh which has you know led to this like generational debate and i really enjoy that Moffat was like i'm gonna write that in uh and you know, i also really enjoy oh sorry carry on what do i know <laughs> what do i know no what do i know
1: <laughs> uh, when i was an edgy teenager i was like the, the name's the doctor it's not Doctor Who, yeah. and you're an idiot if you call him Doctor Who ever. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. 13, 14, etc. You know, I spoke about this before, just... I was condescending, you know? But when this episode aired, I was 19, and be- I was really out of that phase by then. I was... Doctor Who's a silly show, I enjoy it, and they <laughs> say, coming out and saying, my name is Doctor Who, just cracked me up. And also, yeah. I think I think around this time I started calling the character Doctor Who, and whenever people started saying no his name is the doctor i was like but sydney <laughs> Sid- newman the creator calls him doctor who peter capaldi calls him doctor who uh he was credited as doctor <laughs> who for 18 seasons i mean i became condescending <laughs> in that way instead
0: ah you, you flipped you flipped uh. Where it's, I, I used to also be on the boat off, like, no, he's called the Doctor, why would you call him Doctor Who, you big silly idiot? Uh, but now, like, I'm more at a point where I, I literally don't give a shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I deliberately
1: um, use Doctor Who nowadays, just so someday could have a bone yeah, to pick to with me upset, sometimes. Upset yeah. <laughs> because there's, what, um, there's the quote from the Big Bang Theory that used to go around as a meme sometimes where uh, Sheldon Cooper is talking to somebody, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I've I've gone through losses before. I I cry every time Doctor Who dies." And I back in the day, I used to be like, "Oh, Sheldon's not a real fan because his name is yeah, the Doctor." Yeah. <laughs> now I just, as you said, I just don't give a shit. Who cares? His name is his name yeah. could be Doctor Who. Like he, he was credited as Doctor Who for like five hundred episodes at least.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but as this is going on, the doctor is watching them explore the outside or, or like this like cockpit area. Like they're in this room, basically they're watching them explore this room, uh, from the safety of the TARDIS as he eats a lovely bag of what looks like monster munch. Yeah. He's just munching on, he's just munching on some crisps, um, which is <laughs> (laughs) just hilarious to see and he you know he's like waiting for them to spot stuff that he's already spotted and he like he knows what's going on he's not even watching the screen most of the time he's sitting, Uh. just listening and eating crisps uh i I love how confident and cocky copaldi is as the doctor you know like he's i i love him as the doctor so much
1: and yeah, in this episode, he, he, the fact that he is cocky and confidently due to a false yes. sense of hope, only for what happens to be even more heartbreaking, because this is a fun opening, it's really fun, it's so fun and Oh fact. yeah,
0: it's really funny, yeah. Yeah,
1: Michelle Gomez, reading this opening during the table read, uh, she regretted not reading it before she came onto the studio that day, because... She just had too much fun reading her lines and she started choking on crisps herself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, but Alarm starts going off on the ship and they get a call from a guy uh, through a black and white webcam uh, being like, hey, is, are you guys, what's going on? I'm coming up to see you. Uh, and Missy's like, oh, you're pretty handsome. And she tries flirting with him in an awkward way and it's very funny. Um, and she then tells, I don't think those are Monster Munch. I've just got a, and I think they're just ready salted crisps, but they're like uh hmm. like an off like I recognize that logo. Like they're not walkers, they're like an off brand ready salted crisp. Um but I'm just I'm looking at this shot of Capaldi eating them right now. I'm gonna now. need to zoom um, in
1: and enhance if I can only yeah, find the correct spot to, on
0: BBC player. <laughs> I'm at five twenty three, um and that, that that's a pretty good shot of the crisps. It's, he's, it's, obviously he's got the logo he's got the yeah, logo to the facing away from it because it's not tell. sponsored. Uh <laughs> Um, uh, but it doesn't look like Monster Munch to me. It looks like Ready Salted.
1: I'm gonna need a. I need. I'm gonna need a shot where he takes out one of the crisps.
0: Five twenty-three. He's holding one in his hand. Five twenty-three. Ah, God. Like, I, I, the logo. The logo on the crisp doesn't look like the Monster Munch logo. That's what's making me. Suspect oh right, that it's yeah. Ready okay,
1: solid. that looks like a normal crisp. Okay, yeah. yeah. you're Right, yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of want uh, him to be to Monster Munch, you know? Is Monster it...
0: Munch is funnier. Yeah, Monster <laughs> Munch is funnier. Because it, it's so UK
1: Munch. specific, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or or if he was eating uh, like a Curly Whirly.
0: <laughs> a Curly I haven't seen a Curly Whirly in ages. Oh, God. Like, when was the last time you saw a Curly Whirly in the shops? The last time I saw... Like, I saw, like, a bag of mini Curly Whirlies, but, like, a big Curly Whirly.
1: Yeah, I can't, I cannot remember the last time I had a Curly Whirly or seen a Curly Whirly. There's a Curly Whirly reference in episode one of Sex Education. Like, um, the bully character who I think winds up dating shooty Gatla's character um, threatens him with a Curly Whirly at one point or something.
0: <laughs> wow, spoilers for like season <laughs> three of Sex Education.
1: <laughs> oh, it's uh, going to take a while yeah. then, okay. <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh i think it takes like it does takes take some time i don't remember how quick it happens maybe it happens quicker it's been a while since i watched those early seasons enjoying season four though uh curly whirlies are um i think underrated i really enjoyed them as a kid but i haven't mm. like it's a lot of caramel i haven't had it since an adult maybe it's not good uh but <laughs> anyway uh the bill nardole and uh missy go into a very long conversation about what the doctor's real name is and it is very funny, uh, and she almost convinces Bill. Like, Bill is like, Is that your real name, Doctor? Uh, which I love. Like, she put enough doubt into Bill's mind that she's like, Wait, hang on, his name could be <laughs> Doctor Who. <laughs> like-
1: yeah, the thing is that Missy says he chose the name Doctor Who way back when, and eventually dropped the Who because it was too obvious. And I think this is Stephen Moffat maybe trying to canonize those early TV comics where William Hartnell, as Doctor Who, in the comics, is travelling around with his grandchildren, um, Jillian and John, I think their names are. Oh, I
0: love are. those guys. <laughs> Jillian and John. <laughs> love them.
1: And then they go on loads of adventures, like meeting um, Santa Claus, and <laughs> those comics Good are yeah, really weird. did that. Yeah, <laughs> he met Nick Frost as Santa <laughs> Claus, which is a really appropriate person to cast.
0: That was Claus. good casting <laughs> yeah i'm about to, i'm about to sneeze no I'm well, not am i you. who knows oh yeah. here we go <coughs> flash you. oh what a payoff <laughs> uh <laughs> then the man from the webcam appears and he is blue and that uh nardole makes a reference to being like oh i should go back to being blue because uh it's always fun to remember that Nardol's actually like a robot man
1: what is nardole yeah. i don't what? remember it's been a long <laughs> time i'm speaking of nardole How great is he as a character? Because when he first appeared in The Husbands of River Song... You know, I found him to be kind of annoying in that episode.
0: I wasn't expecting him to become a companion. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, this is a fun Matt Lucas cameo. Like, he's a whatever character. I'll never (laughs) think of him again. And then it's like, no, Nardole is a full-time companion in the TARDIS. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know,
1: when he was announced as a full-time companion, I was hesitant for a season. I was thinking, oh, what a terrible move. Because I think he's also terrible in... Uh, the Return of Doctor Mysterio, which was like the Superman episode <laughs> as well. Uh, that one's
0: okay. It's it's an okay episode with live action Goku as the superhero. <laughs> but, um,
1: but but then you know Nardal turns out to be a great character and actually gets a proper arc. He at the end of the yes. next episode is really good for Nardole. And uh, nowadays, is I feel like I should stop judging these comic relief one-off appearances at christmas then turning into a full-time companion because i did had the same arc with catherine tate as donna noble and then she turns out to be one of the best characters in the show so i need Um, to stop being so judgmental
0: you need to you need to stop being a hater it sounds like you're (laughs) just a hater uh, you need to you need to stop being a hater. But yeah, no, I love Nardole. I love his relationship with the Doctor. I love at the start of the scene when Missy comes out and she's doing all the talking, and Nardole hasn't said a word. So the Doctor's like, Nardole, stop being annoying. <laughs> I'm like, I love it. Uh, <laughs> And yeah. uh, you know, just
1: everyone's on fire in this episode. You know, Michelle Gomez especially. He, she actually gets some lines of dialogue where she improvises these lines. Like she adds the little dab that Missy does. Uh, she mm. calls Georgia Smurf. That's on Michelle Gomez, and Michelle Gomez actually credits Rachel Talalay for helping her. Find the character when we we're shooting the series eight final together. Like she says, there, for there wouldn't be any missy without Rachel Talley because she gave her the confidence, which is really cool for a director to help out with. And um, yeah. That's, yeah, um, yeah, that's cool. Matt Lucas, I was about to call him Matt Smith. <laughs> Matt Lucas, <laughs> Matt Lucas is usually the person to add live a lot of lines on the set, but she, but he actually let Michelle Gomez get a lot of uh, time to improvise. No, this episode which is really Mm. cool really cool michelle gomez is is so good in this episode by the way (laughs) she
0: is she is incredible yeah um uh the blue man comes out and he's very panicked that there are people coming up the elevator um into the section of the ship and he asks if anybody is a human he starts waving a gun around, which causes Capaldi to jump out of the TARDIS because, hey, I'm going to try and stop whatever this is happening because this is getting serious now. Uh, when, uh, when, when, he, says, when,
1: he, when he asks Missy if she's a human, she says, oh, don't be a bitch, which I think might yeah. be the hardest swear on Doctor Who. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's, uh, I didn't even catch it the first time. It wasn't until yeah. watching it this time with the <laughs> subtitles on, I was like, don't be a bitch. Jesus Christ, where the fuck that <laughs> is?" that is? Just, just swearing at the guy. Yeah, because, uh,
1: you know, I, I think it's actually got some complaints back in the day. I can't be arsed to check and be off common hmm. records. We'll just make up have... facts. Yeah, let's <laughs> just say, yeah. <laughs> this is a pretty dark absolute air at 6.45 in the afternoon, basically. Like, it goes yeah, dark. Yeah
0: it does but i like doctor who when it gets spooky um but what i also like as well is when this guy he starts asking if anybody's a human waving this gun around the capaldi steps out the TARDIS to be like i'm gonna i'm gonna ease the tensions here and then bill's like oh i'm a human and you just see capaldi's face drop like oh shit she shouldn't have said that you know like this is this just got even more serious than it already was um and it is incredible and he goes on to give a big speech to the guy who's pointing a gun at Bill, being like, hey, okay, like, you know, I'm the doctor, and I'm going to change your life, and I'm going to save you, and you're going to think about this moment, and this is the decision you had to make to say, like, to change, and then bang, just shoots Bill, and <sighs> everything slows down as we see Capaldi's eye, like, slowly turn his head to see a massive hole through Bill's chest, and it is like what a, like it, as we were saying if this was the cold opening like what a goddamn <laughs> insane way to open an episode yeah
1: because uh, <laughs> I, I, I just you know when i when this episode started i was like oh yeah i'm i'm back i'm just laid back on my seat i'm enjoying myself And this literally made me jump up the first time i saw it because it's not mm-hmm. something you'd expect in doctor who for a companion to stand there with a hole in her chest
0: like yeah. that's pretty uh, it reminds dark. me it reminds me so much of how Clara died mm. you know where she's she's just running through the streets like oh I'm the doctor I'm going to save the day and then someone like fires a crow through her chest or something <laughs> and she just it's just like oh she's dead now and then mm-hmm. like she doesn't get saved for like 3 episodes there's like th- like 3 episodes where Clara's just dead like she just got killed and now she's gone and i remember being like holy fuck that's insane that is such a like ballsy ass decision to make to just kill off a main companion who's been with the doctor for years uh at this point like right a random fucking episode of the show uh and you know, obviously, they backtrack on that and make it very silly. Mm. But Bill, Bill, Bill getting shot at the start of this episode makes me feel those same things. Where I'm like, oh my god, no! You've killed a companion. What's going on? Like it just, and you instantly believe it as well. Like there's, yeah. there's no like, oh shit, she's got, oh she'll be okay. No, she's got a big hole in her chest. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> yeah. The thing that Stephen Moffat wanted to do was to give Bill like the worst death imaginable, and then work a way out of. You know the death. I mean, he. Mm-hmm. I'm. I'm not too sure. I've. I've watched both parts recently, and I'm not the biggest fan of how it ends. I think I'm more positive on it when, from you know, from before I watched it. But yeah, it's. It's. Just, we'll get to that next week. It's. It's very strange. I'm okay. not sure how to feel about. it I think I have to rewatch the pilot before I do next week's episode with you. But we'll talk mm. about that.
0: Uh, I haven't seen uh, episode 12 yet. Uh, I only watched episode 11 this morning. So I'll, the only thing I remember that happens is she becomes a puddle lady. And it's like, <laughs> I love my puddle life now. And they go off in their puddle spaceship. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I I, I, rem- I, remember not being a fan of it when it aired. Um, I remember being like, oh, this is kind of silly. And rem- I don't, and it also reminded me too much of what happened with Clara. Yeah. Um, because yeah. Clara basically had the same ending, where it's like, oh, instead of dying, you get to travel space with your friend, now woo. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and then also
1: and also, Bill comes back at the Christmas episode and they kind of elaborate on it and go even further with it, which I, I don't remember being... Oh, no, I don't remember the Christmas yeah. episode,
0: really. I only saw it once, so I'm, I'm looking forward to watching that again at some point.
1: Yeah, we're, we're, if all things go well, we're actually going to cover the Christmas episode with Christmas as a, like a nice little tie-in to it, so... We'll we'll see how that holds up. I think I have a lot to say about how uh, the first doctor is handled in that
0: episode. (laughs) Gasp. Does he say hmm enough times? (laughs) We'll find out. Uh, (laughs) uh, but after bill gets shot we then cut back through time uh to uh them exploring through the university grounds because of course this is the time of professor doctor and professor doctor is the best version of capaldi's doctor each version improved on the last the first version of janitor doctor where he's like am i a good man that's that's the worst (laughs) version of capaldi's doctor the rockstar doctor great Mm -hmm. version what a vibe love him uh, but Professor Doctor is what he should have been from the start. Like, what an incredible fucking version of the Doctor to have. You know, he's got his own little office, he's got a place where he could be, he's trying to educate, but he's a snarky, like, Scottish professor that's, you know, got no time for anybody. It's perfect for Capaldi. It's brilliant.
1: And what I love about the fact that these two people have the same, well, not the same job, but they both work in the same workplace. Uh, she works in the kitchen, he's a professor is we just get time to just kind of unwind in a place that's not the TARDIS. This is a proper job yeah. and they just have time to just talk to each other about what's going on, you know? Which is really cool. Yeah. I, I love when Doctor takes the time to just have a companion and the Doctor just have time to talk because it reminds you why we're on this together, you know? <laughs>
0: Also, we don't see it. I don't. I don't remember. At least, I don't think we see it in this episode. But the doctor's office is like a cozy like (laughs) victorian-esque office and it's such a nicer place for characters to sit and talk as opposed to his tardis which i still like it's better than when it was matt smith's one Mm. and it was all silver and chrome like they did some updates to it they gave it the books and the chalkboard and stuff and it looks better but i'm still not a big fan of the really small silver tardis um it's not yeah. my favorite interior, and it can be kind of cold to look at if you're watching two characters to just talk. Having that warmer environment is much nicer.
1: Yeah, one thing I'm hoping about the new TARDIS Springs and the new, you know, the new budget, the new improved budget. I hope because this is one thing they did in the '80s and like the Peter Davison era is. They sometimes had conversations in companions' bedrooms and stuff. Like it, it mm. felt like a proper house sometimes. Nah, and,
0: I, I being able to see more rooms of the TARDIS would be cool. Yeah, yeah,
1: because that's something we, they kind of did at the very start of the show in the sixties. And what they did mostly in the eighties just have time to unwind in the TARDIS and just have conversations about what's going on in each other's lives and stuff like that. Is uh, I I want a more of a t- homely TARDIS. I really want it. <laughs> uh,
0: the scene uh, with the flashback is uh, basically them explaining what they're doing with Missy and, you know, the doctor convincing Bill to go on this journey with Missy to trust her that she'll that, you know, that it's OK. He'll keep her safe and that, you know, we're trying to make Missy good again. And um there's some fun meat-eating slander here where the doctor's like, you know, like, Missy, uh, Bill calls Missy a murderer, and the doctor's like, are you enjoying that bacon sandwich because it had a mummy and a daddy? Uh, your morals don't quite work, do they? Um, which I, as a vegetarian, I agree with. Uh, the doctor is fully on my side, and if you eat meat, then you are a murderer. Scott, you are a murderer yes 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 i am
1: um this is kind of reminiscent of a line from the very first episode of the season where the doctor says hardly anything is evil but most things are hungry Hunger, hunger looks very much like evil from the wrong end of the cutlery or do you think that your bacon sandwich loves you back so this is a weird recurring theme in series 10 i guess
0: he just hates bacon sandwiches (laughs) Uh. and also nothing nothing nothing
1: Bacon sandwiches are, like, the biggest British thing right now, isn't it? You know, nothing screams British more than bacon sandwiches for some reason.
0: Yeah, I don't don't know if if bacon baps are really a thing in, like, the States or anything, are they?
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's it's strange. I love a good bacon roll, though. Mm. (laughs) I mean, also, the doctor says at one point, oh, it'll be, like, our usual Saturday, obviously referring to the day of the week the Doctor Who airs, which this, this next week will be the final Saturday of the show. Hopefully they return to Saturday, because I like Saturdays for Doctor Who better than Sundays.
0: Yes, I agree. Uh, Saturday is a much better time for Doctor Who, especially um, for people that work jobs and have a podcast about Doctor Who (laughs) that they would like to record after the episode airs and would not want to do that after work and would rather do it right after the episode so that they can get it out on time when everyone's interested, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I don't relate to that, though. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, we then cut to um, the doctor trying to convince uh, Nil, oh, Nil I mean, and Nardole.
1: Yeah, you're skipping over a great bit of conversation. They go up to the roof of a school, I
0: think. I'm I think not I even s- at the... I was in the kitchen, you son of a bitch. Uh... All oh, right, sorry. The, the yeah, you 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 fuck. I didn't skip over anything. You're skipping. Uh. I, no, I thought
1: you were talking about um, trying to convince the blue guy. Blue man group. No, no, they're in the. They're, is that in the okay. kitchen? No, Bill and
0: Nardole are in a kitchen, and okay. you know the doctors. The doctors trying to convince them, and this is basically where Bill's like, "You want the doctor to? You want the master to be good, don't you? You want more than anything, you want Missy to be good." And Capaldi doesn't say anything. He just turns around, and I am so split about how I feel about the way that they handle Capaldi and emotions, because on sometimes it's like, "Oh, I really like how." much he struggles to show emotion and things like that on the other side it kind of feels like you know the same issue that falls with characters like abed and stuff where it's like autism character without saying it's autism You know, and it's how do you have a socially awkward character do socially awkward things? It's like, oh, he's having an emotion right now. Uh, But I I still think it's handled really well uh, with Capaldi and it makes me love him more. Much like Abbott, I love him more because it's like, he's like me, he's like me. But (laughs) yeah, I think
1: I I, I can understand where you're coming from. I like this interpretation of a 12th Doctor better than, oh, I need cue cards to even begin a conversation. And I like it a lot better than, oh, I'm too socially awkward for this conversation, you know? Just the doctor having that little private moment to himself feels more human than anything else, really. I really like this little moment here, though.
0: Yes, I agree. I really like the little moment as well. And I really like Nardole being like, you're having an emotion. Can I get a selfie? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Then we get the really good scene that you wanted to skip over uh with skip <laughs> two not and, skip over <laughs> uh, bill and the doctor eating some like chips and stuff on the roof looking up at the stars where basically bill's like hey you're not going to let me die, are you? And uh, the, the doctor's like, I can't promise that. And then like, as those conversations happening, we were cutting to shots of Bill dying as, and oh. it's just, it makes it even more heartbreaking, you know? <laughs> like, Cause the yeah. doctor's like, I'll try and keep you safe. You know, humans are so silly. Like you've just got one heart. Like you like pop like balloons. And then we cut to Bill standing there without a heart popped like a balloon, you know? <laughs> yeah. It
1: just really goes back to how careless the doctor is at times because He's basically invulnerable, but his companions aren't for the most part. Maybe Nardal is, but Bill definitely <laughs> isn't, you know? And also they do have a conversation here where the doctor's like, Oh yeah, I need a ta- I need a master from way back then. He was my man crush. And we get into the conversation about the fact that uh time Lords don't have gender stereotypes, we don't have anything to do with genders, we're just you know.
0: We're just a... a, Woke, 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 We're very woke, 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 woke. Woke! (laughs) Woke. Uh, But but again, it's also, like, something that I really liked about this era of Doctor Who and with Moffat as well, is I feel like Moffat knew for a fact that Chibnall was going to cast a female as the Doctor. Definitely, yeah. You know? And because he sets up, like, even in the 50th, or not even the 50th anniversary, but in the episode is it hell bent or heaven sent when the doctor punches the time Lords and they regenerate into a Mm. woman? Um, you know so we see that it can happen and then we meet the master and the the is not the master the master is missy and the ma- the master is now a woman as soon as missy appeared i was like the doctor's going to be a woman the next time i was like they're they're preparing us as an audience so that we know that this is possible like we've seen it happen with other characters we don't care so much about as the doctor so when it happens to the doctor we're not going to be like oh my god this came out of nowhere they're doing it mm. for political reasons you know like no this is just a thing that can happen move past it we're over this <laughs> they established that this could happen ages ago um and i just i like all of the grunt work that moffat did to prepare audiences for chibnall's uh you know female version of the doctor uh you know which i love jody as the doctor i just don't love her episodes
1: yeah <laughs> yeah I, I definitely don't think uh um... Stephen Moffat, I almost called him Stephen Chibnall. <laughs> Stephen Chibnall, I, oh, I, that's
0: making making some like Doctor Who fan have nightmares right now. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely. I don't. I
1: don't think obviously Stephen Moffat knew that Chibnall would pick a female doctor, even that Chibnall would succeed him on the show when he was writing those season eight episodes. But definitely here, this is written in January twenty seventeen, yeah. and Jodie Whittaker was announced in July of twenty seventeen. So it feels definitely that it, uh, uh, Stephen Moffat maybe knew that Jodie Whittaker would step into position or just thought, you know, Chibnall was interested in having a female doctor and these conversations are really good because it reminds you the Time Lords can change into anything It makes complete sense of who changed gender yeah. or race and unfortunately, a lot of people didn't seem to listen, <laughs> you know? <laughs> i
0: like, too busy looking at their phone. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> i also really like um i was about to say something and it's left my head i must have not liked it that much uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah it was um the doctor it's like you know we're above that you know your gender stereotypes and everything like that we're, we're a higher plane of civilization and bill's like you still call yourself time lords though yeah <laughs> like, wait i just i love that that poke <laughs> that little poke at Doctor Who lore where it's the Time Lords are these higher beings and they're way more advanced than us, but lords still exist. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: one of those things that they talk about with the X-Men. People are always quick to point out X-Men have X-Women as well, so why are they just called exclusively the X-Men? <laughs> you know? Uh,
0: you know, it's, it me- it's like... Uh it's just a it's a gender neutral term it's like yeah. if you call someone sir in military like he's called sir even if they're a woman it's just like a. this is what it is you exactly. know? so it's like uh you know we, we are the x-men it's a team name not a gender name
1: i think um, even one of the terrible prequel movies um either dark phoenix or apocalypse had um what's the blue girl called um Jennifer Mystique. Lawrence. <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence and Mystique. Uh, Mystique <laughs> at one point is like, why why are they called the X Men? I'm a yeah. woman. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. That
0: sounds like something <laughs> that they would make her say, yeah. It's uh, uh Well I I what I really like about those prequel movies is Jennifer Lawrence wants to be there less and less in each <laughs> one. Uh to the point where they kill her off like five minutes into the <laughs> third one. It's amazing. Uh,
1: I, don't, <laughs> I don't I don't I don't blame her, to be honest, because what was... it's
0: the it's bad movies. I was so oh god, I'm not I am, you know, I like the X Men movies for the most mm-hmm. part. They're a mixed bag. X Men Two is incredible. Yeah. First Class is ace. Um, uh, Days, of Days, Days of Future Past. I love Days of Future Past. Days of Future Past is fun. Yeah. yeah,
1: especially the Rogue cut, which includes I some scenes the scenes rogue of Rogue. Cut. Um, basically, I what they did it. in the theatrical version is they cut out every scene with Rogue in it. She's only in the movie for like eleven minutes, and then the Blu Ray includes every scene of hers. So. It's strange. Interesting. That's why it's called a rogue yeah. cut.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're a mixed bag for sure. Um, but as Bill collapses dead, um, the blue guy then goes to shoot the doctor or like point a gun at the doctor and uh, Missy stops it. And also, and like, again,
1: hey. again, just great special effects on the whole because we see it from like three or four different angles and each one looks impressive. Yes. And even. Um, bill fallen that looks impressive because we don't cut away from it we just see the proper perspective of what it would look like and you know it looks really solid it looks really good it does.
0: yeah uh and some men come and take bill away um do they does this happen in this scene i think yes yeah they take her away and they put, stick her into an elevator um and we don't see who these people are but now you know we have the rest of our episode set up for us yeah let's try and save bill basically and the doctor is going to explain how time works in this uh spaceship because it's very fucking fancy it's cool and he also (laughs) like he separates And I think this is the best feature that his Sonic Screwdriver has ever had. And I I did not remember that this is what it did. Because, again, this version of the Sonic Screwdriver, we never see. I much prefer the Sonic Shades. But, you know, he's got his screwdriver back. It's whatever. It looks like a toy. But he takes it off the bottom. And it's also a marker pen. Yeah. Fucking love that. (laughs) I love that it's just also a pen. That's great. Yeah, (laughs) it's
1: such such a great idea. Because, obviously, he's a lecturer now. And he needs the opportunity to write on... I guess whiteboards because you can't do it on blackboards. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess yeah. maybe our site has uh, chalk instead. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, the scene where um um Bill is being pulled into the elevator is creepy as fuck, and this is where you can oh, yeah. really get the horror elements of the episode, and. Uh, One of the downsides of Doctor Who airing in in middle June around this time is is, it is light as fuck outside, you know, when you're watching this at seven o'clock on an evening in June or July. It
0: it looks like 12 (laughs) o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And I just remember the first time I watched this, I'm I'm like, I wish Doctor Who would... Land in the fall again because or the autumn. Sorry, I go American yeah, for some reason. Said. Yeah, what the fuck was <laughs> <is> that about? <laughs> but you know when it's dark and cold outside and you're snuggled up in the dark and watching mm. Doctor Who, especially a creepy episodes like feeling. this. Like yeah. I, like yeah. when I watched this every night, I had my lights off. I watched it on my TV and it's just creepy as hell, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, I uh, I watched it this morning when it was still kind of dark outside and I was all cozy in a big, uh, big snuggly blanket. I had coffee, I had some bagels. Best way to watch Doctor Who. Hell yeah. Best way. <laughs> yeah. The episode continues on as Bill wakes up, uh, at the lower end of the ship to, after being, like, experimented on and turned into part Cyberman. Um, by these people uh and we end up we see like dr strange not dr strange who's the guy from batman um with the glasses and he's ah oh, god what's his name have you Bob. ever played uh arkham city are you talking about scare
1: scarecrow no
0: no no there's no? there's a there's a there's a there's a scientist guy in batman who has little Doctor, round dr
1: hugo strange um, is that his That's name? yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was Dr. Strange. Yeah, it's yeah. just
0: Dr. Yeah, Dr. Strange. It was like that yeah, Marvel, but no, Dr. Hugo Strange, I guess, makes it different. Well, which um, Dr. Strange he, came first? Uh, okay, Dr. Hugo Carver's Strange came out
1: in 1940, so it's like a good 25 years almost. <laughs> Marvel really ripped yep. off of, from DC. <laughs> When don't they? Uh, but uh, <laughs> well, the guy, ga- the guy who Bill- plays the Doctor, is really good because he kind of has like a soft-spoken voice, but yet he's shot so harshly because he's not yeah. really a villain. He's just saving Bill's life here. He's saving everyone on the ship by converting yeah. them. That's the whole plan. He's not supposed to be sinister, but at the same time, he obviously is sinister. So it's a, it's a good, it's a good choice of cast, I would say.
0: Yeah, I know, it's it's fun. Also, we, like, never see him really again, besides uh, maybe does... a few brief moments. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's, yeah. he's a fun character, um, though. But we then end up meeting this weird, strange dude um, who, whose name I don't even remember. What's the name of this character? The guy with the hat, you know? Uh, uh, what's, what's his name? With an R. Does it? Um, I'm, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna call him the master. I've wrote it down um,
1: somewhere. Why would you call him the master when there's already a masterness? Uh,
0: Absolute, doesn't it? That doesn't, that doesn't know, even make he sense. Just, he gives. <laughs> he gives me Johnson vibes. You know, like I feel like this guy. This guy could be. Could have played the master with David Tennant's era if he was around then. You know, I feel mm, like I feel like he's an equal level actor as John Sim. I feel like they're both as good as each other um if Um, not this guy's a little bit better even probably Um, so you're
1: gonna you're gonna (laughs) call me a fucking idiot here i didn't when the first time i watched this i did not catch what this guy was the master because i was just so into the facts about what what was going on with bill because that came as a total shock to me but i didn't Mm, realize the master was right in front of me the entire time (laughs) i just completely forgot about the master being in this episode for some reason
0: (laughs) I mean, I mean that just means it's a good episode, really, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, that's just you. You're not thinking about the information that got spoiled to you already. You're enamored in the story, and you're not trying to out puzzle or outthink the episode. You're along for the ride. You know, it's just that's a, a sign mm-hmm. of a quality episode. Because
1: um, we got spoiled about both the Cybermen, which I remembered, and the Master reveal, but we didn't get spoiled about the fate of Bill. What happens to her in this episode? So. That was really mm-hmm. cool. It was like I didn't mind in the end that we got spoiled about the Master or the Cyberman, which really did help because there's a lot more going on with this episode. It's not just waiting around for like a plot twist towards the end. There's so much more details going on compared to let's say the Pandora opens, which is just waiting <laughs> for the Pandora to open. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, because I mean, if you really boil down this episode, it is still, it it shares a lot of similarities with the Pandora Opens, in that Mm -hmm. it's people waiting around while the Doctor tries to explain the plan to them, but because of the way that time works on the ship, it takes forever for him to explain the plan, but there's something more compelling about how this is going on, because what happens to Bill is so unexpected, and then you're along with her being like, oh, this is creepy, this is horror, this is scary, what's going on? because we care about Bill and we care about you know a companion getting shot through the goddamn chest um, yeah <laughs> right. and, it, and this whole uh,
1: hospital we... setting is inspired by the fact that um, Stephen Moffat was spending a lot of time with his ill mother she actually died when he was writing this ho- when he was writing this episode so he spent a lot of time with her at the hospital and just began thinking about how kind of grave being in a hospital is with a dying loved one. And he wanted a dark operatic venue so that children wouldn't really recognise it as a proper hospital. Because you know, if children are going to visit their grandmothers on the Monday after this episode airs, they're going to be terrified. You know. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and you know, I think he we, does a good job with that.
1: Yeah. And you know, we were talking about uh, when we did journeys, uh, when we did Stubble Nerve and Journeys End. Uh, but, you know, Russell D. Davis was under a lot of pressure, but I think Stephen Moffat was probably under more pressure here because, you know, losing a loved one is not fun. <laughs> it's not fun. No. Now.
0: Yeah. No. Famous. Famously, one of the least <laughs> things that can happen. Yep. Um, <laughs> well said. <laughs> uh, we see, we see, we see, we, I, should, I should write eulogies. Uh, we then see ghost um, Peter Capaldi telling Bill to wait for him. Um, as Peter Capaldi used his psychic powers to imprint his mind into Bill's to be like, hey yo, I'm still coming to save you. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't even worry about it. Yeah, and, uh, did, this is a recurring a m- thing. Did, we see did, Ghost Capaldi quite a bit.
1: Yeah, he did a mind meld, like in um, he just did in the Wars. Big Bang, which we yeah. covered last week or the week before. I can't remember. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. uh Then Bill gets up and decides to explore around this uh, creepy, creepy facility as the words pain, 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 pain echo throughout. And it's 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 straight up horror esque Like there's there's some full on body horror stuff going on in this episode. And it's it's incredible. Like it feels scary watching it. And I love that when Doctor Who with with that comes to Doctor Who, you know because yes. it's this fun family show except when it isn't and it's just straight up you're scared and, and hiding and uh mm-hmm. that's what i think moffat did really really well and you whenever he talks in interviews he always talks about how that's his favorite part he loves scaring kids you know
1: <laughs> you know you know even going back to the first episode moffat did the empty child That episode scared the shit out of me as a kid especially the part where oh, yeah. the doctor is getting infected and he's just choking up a, ga- a gas mask. That's terrifying, <laughs> you know. Yeah,
0: I remember. Yeah, I remember that being a real scary episode as a kid as well.
1: But yeah, um, Rachel Talalay does great work with the atmosphere here, and Murray Golds does a great score where it's like a lady singing opera music in the background eerily. It's it's really yeah. creepy stuff, and shouldn't have been. I, I think it should have been aired in like October or something. Rather than the middle of June.
0: <laughs> yeah, but uh, you gotta have room for Strictly, man. Strictly makes that money, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, and uh, Bill continues through as she sees a heap of people all wrapped up in masks and uh, medical gowns as the pain echoes around, and then head nurse lady comes bursting in with guy that's definitely not johnson uh and she she's like oh we'll we'll deal with this dude don't even worry about it uh ah there you go that's better she touches like this fluid tank that's next to him and Mm. you know it gives the illusion that she's maybe giving him more morphine or something you know she's helping him out but when bill investigates it she sees that uh she just turned the volume down on the guy's (laughs) speakers that were saying pain which is just brilliantly dark you know
1: Oh yeah, and it, it you know it's it's kind of like the healthcare system under the Tory government. But <laughs> <laughs> um, they did have to about. change the design of the patients very late in the game because they realised it kind of looked like the Cybermen had cyber boobs, so they had to change. They had to remove <laughs>
0: the chest plates at the very last minute. <laughs> Uh no! Wait, wait, wait. Where where are our cyber women? I need cyber uh, women to come back, please. Cyber boobs for the peak <laughs> of the cyberman design. We um, we should do about torture absolutely eventually and It's gossip. a mental episode. It's a mental episode. <laughs> Terrible, uh, like the fucking the the pterodactyl that comes in the end that just eat the lady. Like, like insane episode. Absolutely insane. <laughs> uh bill looks at another patient and they're saying kill me kill me instead of pain pain uh she then looks out the window to like a smoking city uh before being uh almost grabbed by one of the patients that gets quickly knocked out by not john sim um and he's now <laughs> like hey we're gonna become best friends and you're gonna you're gonna come and like hang out with me a bunch it's okay we're we're, we're chill and uh, he's one really my... fun. I really, really like the performance that he's yeah. giving in this episode. Oh, God,
1: he is fantastic in this episode. It's really fun to see a master disguise for the first time in, oof. Oh, God, forever. 35 yeah. <laughs> years, maybe? It's been a long time. Well, it depends
0: <laughs> but... on what you count as, as, like, a disguise. Because, like, when he first showed up as the master, you know, I guess we knew he was the master because we saw him regenerate. Mm. And then, um, like, because when Derek Jacobi, you know, when he regenerates Mm -hmm. and we see him turn into John Sim, then John Sim goes off to Earth and I guess he's technically in disguise. It's more hiding in plain sight because he's like, you know, I'm the prime minister now, but like he's like nobody knows he's the master except us and the doctor. Um, And I don't remember if when Missy shows up, if she's straight away like I'm the master or if she tries to pretend to be someone else first. I don't remember Missy's reveal.
1: The whole, the whole mystery about season eight was who is this mysterious woman. Eventually, she's like, "Well, I can't keep calling myself a master, can I?" But it wasn't really a disguise. It's yeah. just. Walked around and stuff, just teasing, really... yeah, and kept yeah. killing people. But well, when yeah. when I, when I yeah. refer to us disguise, I mean like a fool, <laughs> you know, like a acting yeah. student. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, and if we do, if you do something clever here, where he's disguised for a reason. It's because Bill would recognized her former prime minister. Although I guess he wasn't. I guess he was only prime minister for like a month or something because that whole year got erased. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. It's like I if guess. you saw if you saw Liz Truss walking Liz around, yeah, you, you wouldn't recognize her, would you? You're completely forgetting about her.
0: <laughs> I would. I don't know how you can forget about a lady that assassinated the queen and then assassinated <laughs> the pound. All in the span of four <laughs> weeks, or like eight weeks, or however long she was ah, actually in power. Like, it was mental. It's like, incredible. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> one of my favorite lines here is where Bill's like, uh, shouldn't we help him or something? And um, John Sim is like, oh, we're, we're fine, we're totally fine. And Bill's like, we're screaming, very are in pain. And uh, Johnson is like, "Oh, that was a clever lie. You saw straight through me. That's a proper. He's
0: still properly the prime minister here, just lying <laughs> for his teeth." When does I mean, like, when, when, when is this version of Johnson's master supposed to be? Because this is before Skeleton Master, I would imagine. Oh, after, after,
1: definitely after. Master because skele- obviously this is next after week Skeleton Master.
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah, goddamn. Oh, yeah. it makes even less sense. <laughs> I know. How did he stop j- being <laughs> a skeleton cannibal?
1: <laughs> don't don't fucking worry about it. It's it's a monster. <laughs> you know it. Once you get he more familiar with yeah, that's when, yeah, it. Once you get, get more, gets away with it. <laughs> once you get more familiar with the classic series, he dies all the fucking time and always. Comes that's why
0: um, I mean that was the thing in series eight as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Or series nine, even when like uh, Moffat was like killed off Missy in like every single episode and just kept bringing <laughs> her back <laughs> because he was like, it's funny. Like that's what the master does. The master dies <laughs> and then just comes back. Like and they just say they just say like, oh, I escaped. Like
1: yep. <laughs> S- somehow the master has returned. <laughs>
0: yeah um but uh johnson takes bill into um this his like little workshop place his little wee home that he stays in um and he goes on to explain that bill's now hanging out at the bottom of the ship um instead of the top of the ship and that they fixed her up and given her a new heart and turned her into a cyber person type person thing kind of guy there's some fun dialogue about tea where yeah. he's like hey do you want the do you want the good tea or the bad tea and Bill's like uh the good tea what's the difference he's like no difference I just name them different things you know it's nice to have a positive attitude uh, <laughs> which is just it's it's a really fun back and forth they have amazing chemistry together like I oh, instantly really like do. I like stepping out of this being the master like mm. I instantly believe their friendship is being genuine you know
1: yeah I guess that's why I was tricked because Again, the Master hasn't really done anything like this for the longest time, and all of a sudden, here's this new character who's really lovely, you know, maybe helping yeah. Bill out, but, you know. It's, it's, it, and also, I really like this set here, because it feels lived in, and it feels like a technician kind of set. It feels like, you know, when we're at college, it feels like um, you could just Ooh. rent a camera from this guy or something. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I mean, that's, series 10 did this so well of making the sets feel like places. Mm-hmm. Like, we talked about this earlier in the episode with Capaldi's, um, like, office space, you know? Like, there was there's locations in series 10 where it's like, oh, this doesn't feel like a set right now, which, you know, goes away later on in Doctor Who where you're like, you're not standing together. This is a <laughs> fake background behind you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like, this whole uh, episode,
1: the whole set of this episode is incredible. Not for a second you don't believe it's not like a hospital or this or a spaceship yeah. it's really well constructed i would i will say some of the exterior scenes in the city of a spaceship is a bit wonky sometimes i think that's mostly next episode but it's it's still pretty solid
0: <laughs> yeah no it's it's a good time uh Bill then notices the TV screen is playing an episode of classic Doctor Who. Wait, no, it's not. That's live <laughs> video cam footage of Peter Capaldi in black and white. Um, and she's saying that the picture is frozen, but uh, we go on to learn that the picture is not frozen. It is simply moving slower than they are because of the big old black hole out the way, uh, which Peter Capaldi then goes on to explain in a very fun scene with, drawing, with him drawing on a uh, one of the whiteboards with his sonic screwdriver pen, uh, mm. explaining how... As you approach a black hole, time slows down and so as the ship is approaching the black hole the front of the ship is moving slower through time than the back end of the ship um so if you're at the front of the ship you are moving slowly in time the back end of the ship you're moving quicker so time moves fast with bill moves slow with capaldi uh which they also showcase really well i think with the two clocks where you've got the top of the ship clock where it's like two days have passed and the bottom of the ship where it's like five years you know (laughs) like i think that's a really good way (laughs) of showcasing it as well because it is a trippy concept but it It's a really fun concept for a set piece as well. It's so cool.
1: And it's explained really well to the point where it's not explained too well. You know, sometimes they overindulge with the explanation. Mm. But, you know, I think little kids will understand what's going on here. And the time dilation storyline was actually suggested by Joshua Moffat, who was then 17 And he went on an internship at CERN in Geneva over the summer of 2016. He told his dad about the phenomenon of time dilation and thought the idea would be great for Doctor Who because it wasn't something that featured in science fiction a lot. And Joshua even did some maths for this episode to suggest a viable scale for the concept in the episode. So... Uh, really smart kid, apparently <laughs> using real life yeah, that's science, cool. which is cool. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. You know, the whole basis of the Cyberman was invented by an actual real life scientist. I think we need more science in Doctor Who because it's fun. You know, science is it fun, is. dude. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's that's really cool. That's that's really cool. Um, then we get a really strange oh, scene with oh, Bill. Sorry. Oh.
1: Before that, as Bill was approaching a television, trying to work things out the score kind of starts to quote the, the harold saxon song the harold Sax- saxon theme song or the master theme song from series three where the violins kind of ramp up mm. which is interesting which again i should have picked that out but i didn't <laughs> i didn't realize yeah.
0: it <laughs> you're a silly silly guy you're a silly guy <laughs> uh But we then get a scene where the head nurse comes in and is like, Oi, you work for me, remember that? And Bill's like, Oh, it's a good thing that you put locks on the doors, so I can't get out of here. And I don't really feel like this scene is necessary because Mm. we already know like we know that they're trying to keep bill in here we've had that established already and bill seems more enamored with the doctor and stuff and she's got that psychic message saying hey stay here i don't know if we need a third reason you know that she can't leave because the doors are locked and the head nurse is like a total bitch towards her like it just i mean like like this character this head nurse lady i don't even remember what she does later on in the episode like i don't Mm. it feels just like oh this is another thing you know here's another reason not to go anywhere in case you needed that Episode then continues on as we get a really fun montage of um Bill and um John Sim uh watching the doctor explain the time dilation thing as months go by (laughs) with them and we see that their relationship deepen and grow into a tighter stronger bond um as they're becoming basically roommates you know they're friends watching classic episodes of doctor who where it's like (laughs) god nothing happened in this episode but i'm not going to stop watching because maybe something will eventually happen in two weeks or two months or four months when they finish the story you know oh god
1: (laughs) could you imagine talking about doctor who every single week with your best friend That'd i be think insane. i'd kill myself i think like... i'd kill myself <laughs> <laughs> um but one of my favorite <laughs> bits comes from this montage where um peter capaldi is trying to explain it to the smurf man and he's like, what's the matter? Didn't you go to space school? And the camera zooms yes. right in on uh, Peter Capaldi, <laughs> which, again, we just covered the big fan, which space has Florida. Space Florida. Yes. <laughs> and um, in between recording that episode and this episode, uh, the last episode of Futurama came out, where we talk about Space Italy. So it's a, it's a really funny. <laughs> <laughs> and and, the, and uh, um it, the professor is running a simulation in Futurama, and the characters start talking about space Italy, and Amy's like, uh, "Space Italy—that's a bit of a fake name." And the professor is like, "Well, I got lazy, okay." <laughs> <laughs> Although this is this is more of the funny side, you know. It's, it's uh, Stephen Moffat being funny.
0: <laughs> yeah, space school is a great line. Space Florida is a great line. Space Italy is a great line. Space anything, space blank, great—that's a funny joke. Yeah, it <laughs>
1: Yeah, one of my favorite things in Futurama is the space pope who's like a reptilian.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, Bill, that is mopping the floors off uh, one of the medical rooms and she decides to look out the window onto this smoky city that's on the bottom of this spaceship and uh we see uh, ghost capaldi being like yo wait for me still just have some patience um and we see that bill's getting a little bit tired of waiting where she asks the ghost in her head how much longer do i need to wait doctor um and it's just some it's just some really fun stuff this is a really well-paced mm. episode like i i absolutely love this episode
1: Again, again, it's one of those situations where, again, nothing much is happening, just characters waiting, but we get little character dynamics we never see before. Um, mm-hmm. We get really funny lines, it's a great montage, it's some eerie stuff. It's such a fun episode so far.
0: Yeah, it really is. Also, like, I love Bill, I think uh-huh. she's one of my favorite companions i don't know what it like she's only in one season she doesn't really do much and i don't remember exactly enjoying her arc um <laughs> but i just i really i wanted to see more of her i think i was sad that she only got one series because i feel like there was so much potential and i really liked her chemistry with capaldi um as much as i loved capaldi and clara like i feel like like especially in that first season with capaldi and clara where all that danny pink stuff gets mixed up mm. and it just becomes nonsense you know it completely ruined that series and then to finally be like okay like because especially at this point i was so sick of clara i uh, have a companion that's like oh my god it's not clara i love you like of course now i love clara she's one of my favorites because uh, i've had to live through um uh, Yaz, but you know the thing
1: i go back to with bill is what I liked about the Doctor and Ace together. It's a student-professor kind yeah. of relationship. I, it's like a... I mean,
0: they they also have hints to Ace with Bill's outfit yes. having the badges and the like explosion stuff on it, you know?
1: And also the fact that they're both gay, or Ace is kind of gay. It's, it's hinted at towards in the classic series, but it's never really brought back when Ace came uh, back.
0: I, I mean, if, if anything, maybe more bi. Like, she did fall in love with that Nazi in that one episode. Mm, true, um, true. You know? Yeah.
1: And um, she, um, she did fall in love with that cat lady in uh, Survival, which we're, we might cover who didn't. Soon. Who didn't? Who didn't? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, the thing about yeah. And also, it's like one of the only relationships in New Who that isn't romantic. Because there's only yes, really two, being, yeah uh, Catherine Tate and Bill. That's the only two relationships that's never hinted at towards uh, Dan? romantically. Um, I, Dan? I mean, I can I kind of, I kind of think of Yaz as being overcompulsing of the entirety of the yeah. uh, the Thirteenth Doctor era. So I don't include like Graham or Ryan yeah. or Dan yeah, in that scenario, enough. or I'm fair not enough. even. Or even
0: like, uh, Captain Nardol, uh, Nardol, yeah. Nardol. True. Although, I, su- but... I suppose the 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 romantic energy between, um, uh, <laughs> Nardol and the doctor, like, it's palpable. Like, you know, <laughs> you, you can taste it almost.
1: But I, <laughs> I mean, I mean, in terms of like, main companion, Bill was the main yeah. companion. Nardole yeah. was comic
0: relief. He's a sidekick. Yeah, he's the sidekick. Um, yeah, no, I get that. I I like that as well. I like not having romance with the companions. Which, it's refreshing.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to Millie Gibson and Shuri Gatwa together because what uh, Millie Gibson re- describes the relationship as is
0: like two two school friends just giggling and gossiping, and I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that as well, and I really hope Russell T. Davis can restrain from making it into another Rose situation. I really hope he can can (laughs) hold himself back. (laughs) Uh, So the episode continues as we cut back up to the doctor with the blue guy, and he's like, hey, there's a lot of dudes here, what's going on? And the doctor's like, we don't have time to talk about lots of dudes, we've got (laughs) to get down to the ship, and he like karate chops the dude. Um, yeah. be- because Pierre Capaldi is a big fan of John Pertwee, even down yeah. to his outfit. Um, yeah, and, Capaldi and, nice spent a lot of,
1: and Capaldi spent a lot of time with Mark tr st- studying John Pertwee doing Venusium, Vin- Venusian Aikido. I always get that mixed up. Uh, <laughs> Venusium, uh, Venusian Aikido.
0: Ah, okay. yeah. Yeah. So that's a, that's a classic
1: yes. karate moves that John Pertwee would often use, which is why I really like John Pertwee. He's a man of science and a man of action. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, and it's fun to see the Doctor doing some actiony stuff with Capaldi as well. Uh, as he's flipping over the guy, though, we teleport away down to the bottom of the ship where we see Bill uh, as she's looking on in horror as a bunch of the people getting worked on are led through into another room. And one of them... Uh, looks at her with beady little eyes and says die me die yeah. <laughs> me um which is just lovely and dark some lovely dark stuff
1: yeah and it's, it's, it's like quarter past seven on a Saturday evening watching this with your <laughs> <Yeah>. family <laughs> it's very strange you're, you're just listening yeah. to this Cyberman basically want to commit suicide the entire time
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh then Bill and John Sim decide to have a little walk through the streets and see how awful everything is and how turning them into Cybermen is a must because the world has turned to ruin, there's toxic fumes everywhere, and they need to be like not organic beings anymore, essentially, to survive. Uh, and this is I I I guess it's just to explain why people are volunteering for this surgery Mm. and why the surgery is happening. And so like we as an audience can understand a little bit more. Um, and we get told that this is operation Exodus, um, you know, which is important stuff. And this is all done on a very bad green screen, but (laughs) to be fair, you could slot this into flux and I wouldn't be able to tell the difference.
1: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) To be fair, it's 2017. The budget is quite low at this point. And also again, what I said at the beginning of the episode, they only had six weeks of post-production for this episode, so the fact that it looks decent enough is good enough, you know? <laughs> the rest of the episode looks spectacular. It's just this bit outside in the exterior exterior scene where it's shot on green screen that doesn't look so good, but, you know, the rest of the CGI of the episode looks great. Like, it looks... it really holds yeah. up the most of the episode. Um of course yeah. and also it it helps explain it to Bill as well, so she's not out of a loop about what's happening yeah. here. It's 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 really natural exposition the whole episode through I would say.
0: Yeah. Uh, we then cut back to the doctor uh, absolutely demolishing that dude um, as he goes on to explain that it is Venusian uh And Nardole's like, but I thought you needed four arms for that. And the doctor's like, I've got lots of hidden talents and hidden arms, which is a fun <laughs> nonsense line. Um... <laughs> um And they decide to open up the elevator and climb on inside to go and just rescue Bill um, because they're sick of standing around waiting as the longer Mm. that they wait up there, even more time passes down below. So they're not going to risk it.
1: Something the doctor should have done, like, ten minutes ago. Uh, Immediately, (laughs) yeah. Instead of explaining,
0: (laughs) instead of taking forever to explain, by the way, time moves uh, (laughs) slower up here than it does down there. Explain that on the way, maybe. Once you Mm -hmm. get down, you know, be like, I have to rush because up there, like, Mm -hmm. months would have, like, seconds would have gone by and months would have gone by down here. So now we're down here, I can take the time to explain this. (laughs) Like...
1: you know it's it's been like i think 2 years for bill at this point or something like that yeah. <laughs> it's it's been a long time for bill poor old bill <laughs> like the doctor just waiting <laughs> is a bit odd
0: <laughs> yeah um we then get a scene with bill and john sim that's very fun where, um, you know, she's asking him, like, when am I, like, what's going on? When am I getting out of here? Like, what's, what, what are we waiting for? And he's like, oh, you know, you're like a mother to me. And she's like, no, I'm not. She's like, oh, maybe an aunt. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's some, some fun stuff. And you know, she gives him a big hug. When he's like, oh, I guess I'll tell you if you ask me again. And there's some even more fun banter when he's like, oh, my heart, it hurts when you hug me because of your <laughs> chest. Your big metal chest unit stabs right into me. Um, which is some some fun, light comedic beats for what turns yeah. into a very um, dark ending. Uh, what I love about <laughs> this is
1: that the scene ends with Bill kind of looking concerned and looking down at herself because she doesn't quite realise what's going on mm-hmm. here. The reality hasn't sunk in even though it's been years. She she still thinks she's normal, Bill. But she's not, is she? <laughs> yeah.
0: No, it's very tragic. Um, then we see John Sim with the burglary <laughs> mask on, um, and it's an iconic look, really. Um, it's like mm. a homeless superhero, really. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Are, are he... you
1: sure that's John Sim? wearing the burglar I'm mask? I'm not sure. I, can't, sh- tell anyway. I yeah. can't tell with the mask. Anyway, yeah, it's such really. a it's, it's such it's a good be, disguise. Um... You would never tell who that <laughs> is
0: underneath a burglar mask. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's a pretty amazing mask. Uh, he's got a key to the surgery room because he cleans it on Wednesdays uh, and he takes Bill in, uh, but it turns out to be a trap to turn her into a Cyberman because she needs to have the surgery because her chest unit apparently won't suffice by itself. Eventually it's going to run out and she'll need to get the full thing. There's a fun line with, um john sim where he's like look at that guy's hat i hope i get a hat like that i'm going to request one um with the metal head um and it's it's some some fun stuff um, um, my favorite line find- is
1: when the doctor recognizes him and he's like hey you're john sim and uh, john sim's like oh damn it you saw through my disguise it's such a cute <laughs> yeah. disguise
0: which is some fun you know that's a fun double entendre because it's like oh you saw through my disguise you know talking about the burglary mask Mm. and uh, you know instead of the actual (laughs) disguise that he's wearing at the minute um little little wink wink um we also find out that the little head thing that goes around the cyberman mask is to stop them caring about pain Mm -hmm. i guess that's some cyberman lore about how the cybermen work um, so that's I would fun you know, so
1: yeah, there has to be some purpose to that um uh, headphones I, basically. <laughs> I
0: like i like the i like the um the alternate universe cyberman when they gave out the Bluetooth headsets, and oh then yeah. it was like ha <laughs> they've turned into cyber heads, and now you're a cyberman <laughs> <laughs> it's all I think about whenever I see those wireless. Like, the, like, Bluetooth phones, basically, that you stick in your ears. It's ruined them for me. The only thing I can think (laughs) about is turning into a Cyberman. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I'm wearing Bluetooth headphones or earphones right now, so... (laughs) I'm about to be converted.
0: (laughs) 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 Um, The Doctor and Bill... uh, The Doctor and Bill, the Doctor, Missy, and Nardole, Bill's not there, uh, come out onto the lower decks of the ship some more, and the Doctor's like, hey, Nardole, you've got to come with me while Missy stays at the computer, because she's smart, I guess, Mm. smarter than you, Nardole. It's really just some whatever reasoning to get Missy away from the Doctor at this point. Um, There's no real reason that he would separate uh, away from Missy, other than the plot needed him to, you know? Like, why why not keep... Nardole at the uh, computer. But, it, hey it's, it's,
1: it's just because Peter Capaldi realizes we're about forty minutes into the episode. The cliffhanger <laughs> yeah. is about to come up soon. This is part one. The episode won't resolve, so there needs to be a cliffhanger. So Missy needs to be on her own.
0: <laughs> yes, and almost immediately, like the second the Doctor walks away, <laughs> Johnson makes himself present in this room, and he's like, "Ha ha ha! Hello!" And he speaks in supposedly coded language to missy where he's like oh you've been here before you don't remember this happening that's so strange and like the second he starts talking like that i feel like the game is up like it's so obvious that the twist is that he's the master at this point Mm -hmm. because the dialogue is so on the nose but missy is just blank faced the entire time she does not get it until he takes off the mask like (laughs) my my favorite
1: line is where johnson's like oh you have been here before trust me which was harold saxon's (laughs) catchphrase when he was running for prime minister trust me (laughs) so it it takes Missy a very long time to catch on but to be fair she's she's kind of distracted right now to be fair
0: yeah uh a tiny little bit because she's discovering that the planet that everyone is from is not earth like she first suspected because there was a bunch of humans on board uh but it was an earth-like planet that she it turns out to be mondas uh and i think when i was watching this at 17 like i knew what mondas was and i knew what the mondas cybermen were but it didn't really have much of an impact on me because mm. i was like I had never seen the episode with the original Cyberman. So I was like, Oh, it's the original Cyberman. That's cool. But I, I wasn't like, Oh shit, no way. Like, (laughs) I was like, that's a fun reference.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think the first time I saw the 10th planet was, in 2013, right before the 50th anniversary. So I saw it five years before this and, I, I kind of love the 10th planet because the Cybermen are so great in it. it as an episode itself, it's not mm. so great. We, we covered the 10th planet, if you want to go back. We did. It was about a year ago, exactly. Last October, yeah. I believe. A long time Gee
0: ago. That's crazy.
1: Uh, we had fun doing that, for
0: Yeah, some cool Cybermen stuff. Um, uh, we, The Doctor and Nardole. Then, like, hey, what's happened to Bill? What's going on here? There's some strange Cyberman stuff. Then they open the door to see one of these Mondasian Cybermen. and The Doctor's like, oh, my God, it's a Mondasian Cyberman. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, um, P-
0: Peter Capaldi
1: really likes saying the phrase Mondasian Cyberman. You can <laughs> tell. He, he, he just delights in it every time. But the lighting, just him opening the door, and we only see the boots and he's like, hmm, that looks vaguely some F. uh Yeah, just such a great reveal of the Cyberman, though. <laughs> such a great. Well, I really,
0: it is a really great reveal. And what I really, really like, and what I really appreciate is they kept the design of the Mondasian Cybermen as accurate as they possibly could to the original design. Oh God! yes. You know, like they're they're like wearing balaclavas instead of like giant metal masks. You know, mm. and it looks so 1960s it's unbelievable but yeah, it's rachel incredible Talalay like it really somehow worked oops. hard
1: yeah oh yeah sorry we we kind of broke up there <laughs> but um, <laughs> rachel Talalay really worked hard to make it as accurate as possible but she made a few changes one of these changes actually upset Peter Capaldi quite a bit. If you remember when Ooh. we did the tenth planet, we actually spoke a bit about this, where uh, the, the, uh, the Cybermen are basically covered from head to toe, but their hands are still the human hands. And in Ooh, this episode, yes. the Cybermen hands are actually covered with gloves. And uh, Rachel Talalay explained that the gloves was needed because Pearl Mackie's skin tone would have given the Cyberbill twist away. And, yeah, I think this makes sense, and I think it works really well for this episode, because, you know, uh, Bill's a pl- proud black woman. She's proud of being gay as well, and she just basically got converted, and Cyberman would want yeah. to hide her race, you know? <laughs>
0: it's, it's really yeah, creepy. Yeah, it got her, uniform.
1: Yeah, her like. identity has just been stripped away, so hiding all of her skin really works well for this design. It really works for me.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I didn't even catch on, and I, you know, they make the 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 gloves they're wearing like almost pale as well, so you can kind of mm. get away with thinking that you know when the Mondasian Cybermen, the original design, maybe that isn't hands, maybe they're just wearing flesh-covered gloves, you know, flesh-colored gloves, even. Um, and I I get why it would upset a hardcore fan like Capaldi, who's like a massive dork in real life, but uh, it's it's a design choice that I think makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, and it I, really I does. Love, I love how the Mondasi and Cybermen look in this episode. Yeah. Um, um, Actually,
1: then... Moffat, um, the whole reason why the Mondasi and Cybermen are in this episode was as a gift to Peter Capaldi. Uh, he Moffat wrote him as a gift to him. Uh, Capaldi expressed he wanted him back during the Series 8 DVD launch Q&A in 2014. So this was a gift to Peter Capaldi, which is really cool. When he gave gifts to other actors, like uh, Tennant really wanted to work with his igons, so that was written in Day of the Doctor. Mm. Uh, Karen Gillan, or uh, Karen Killen, as I wrote here for some reason... Uh, Karen Gillan wanted a death by the Weeping Angels as well, so that's the whole reason why mm. I guess the Weeping Angels was written into The Angels Take Manhattan.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Um, and, It's so generous.
1: And, you know, the whole plot in this episode was inspired by Peter Capaldi, loosely. In, 20, in 2015, Capaldi was interviewed on Doctor Who The Fan Show on YouTube where he expressed he'd like the Mondasian Cybermen to become Time Lords, which um, fucking Chibnall kind of stole. <laughs> uh, but in the same <laughs> interview, he said the phrase, Genesis of a Cyberman." He wanted the Genesis of a Cyberman, which is what John Sims says in, like, five minutes from now. So, <laughs> obviously, um, yeah, Stephen Moffat was listening to Peter Capaldi.
0: <laughs> yeah, which is cool. And, you know, like... He's really a resource if you have him on the show that you want to be listening to, because there's not many people that are larger fans of Doctor Who than Peter Capaldi. You know, oh yeah, he's got a proven track record.
1: You know, Stephen Stephen Moffat, Peter Capaldi, and Matt Lucas are huge Doctor Who nerds, and Rachel Talalay really had to work hard on researching classic Doctor Who because she grew up on Star Trek, obviously because she's American. So she really worked hard to really capture the tone of the Cybermen and she really did such a great job here. It's incredible how well the Cybermen are presented in this episode.
0: Yeah, no, they're real good. And they like they feel intimidating while looking so extremely silly. Like, it's incredible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I... I but, 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 but. Uh,
1: they kind of do look silly but it kind of works for what the cybermen are you know it's limited resources of course you're just going to use like a ski mask it it works really well for the design i think
0: yeah no i really like it um and then uh we get a reveal of the master taking off his mask uh, as he's like oh i've got to wear this mask you know as i'm someone's former prime minister um and we see him as Mr. John Sim with his lovely goatee, which is mm. the best look John Sim's masters ever, ever oh, had. God. It's you know, well, I mean, I mean, like bleach blonde hair skeleton guy, like that is S tier, <laughs> that is S tier for sure. Um, and this is maybe just a step below that, but it's still pretty good. Um, I've you know, I like bleach blonde skeleton guy. He's yeah, iconic. <laughs> uh,
1: John Sim actually grew the goatee himself and basically went up to Stephen Moffat saying look at this. Isn't it such a great look? We should go back to the goatee master. (laughs) (laughs) And if you remember, in um, 2007 Stephen Moffat wrote the Children in Need sketch, Time Crash, where it's um, Peter Davison and David Tennant on the TARDIS together, and it's set straight after uh, the Doctor meets the master the first time in years. And uh, um, um, Peter Davison's first question is, Does the master still have a shit beard? (laughs) 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 It it really does work well. It looks great.
0: Yeah, I hope the next version of the master, whatever we see or whenever we see them come back, I hope they have a goatee again. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, there's not enough. Like goatees used to be a staple of evilness. And I don't think I like there's like, when was the last time you saw an evil goatee? It's been so long.
1: I am trying to think of myself. Solo. Yeah, I, I, oh like God, I, I could think know.
0: community, but that like that was even before this episode, and then yeah, this episode. And, this could be the and, last time I saw an evil goatee. Mm-hmm.
1: And community was just a reference to Star Trek, wasn't it? Like evil Spock, the.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's just a reference to evil. It's just a reference to being evil. Like, evil people have goatees. So, it was specifically (laughs) about.
1: Wasn't it? Wasn't Abbott playing like an evil clone? It's the evil universe. Yeah. Yeah. It's the the dark universe, the darkest timeline. So, everyone gets (laughs) goatees
0: because they're evil now. Oh, God.
1: (laughs) We need need to do Inferno where everyone's evil, but um, the Brigadier wears an eye patch. It's such a great episode. (laughs) We need to do uh... (laughs) that.
0: Uh, we then, we get the reveal that the, uh, the Cyberman talking to the doctor is actually Bill Potts, and the Mm. doctor's very upset about this, and he's like, oh my god, Bill, how did I let this happen? Then Missy comes in. And she's like, Oh, well, really this is part of the plan, by the way. And then we hear um, Mr. John Sim's voice and Capaldi's doctor is like, Oh Christ, how is what how is this happening? And John Sim shows up looking just spectacular as the master. He's got yeah. such an amazing grin when he's standing next to him, and it like it's the some of the best it's the best look the master's had with John Sim. He looks ace. Um, and Missy's like, Oh, I'm evil now, by the way. Ha ha ha. And the doctor looks on all very sad as we zoom in to Bill's eye uh and we see through we see her flesh as she lets go of a tear um and then that tear goes on to form like the classic teardrop you see in the other Cybermen designs, like the mm. eyes off like the alternate universe Cybermen, they all have this weird tear design on their eye and that kinda of goes to mimic that, which is some nice imagery. And also a ghost. It's also a ghost <laughs> lady. Yeah, it's I'm- also <laughs> a ghost lady, yes. We'll get to that next week. Um, but yeah, uh, John
1: Sim is fantastic in this story. I, I, am not a big fan of John Sim's master during the Russell era, but this is where John Sim really finds his, you know, finds his material. He's really good in this episode and the next episode, because he he's not over the top goofy like in in the Russell mm-hmm. era, and you know at the end of time panel. Uh, Johnson announced he didn't expect to come back to the show, but told Moffat privately that he'd love to come back, and Johnson was actually upset he wasn't invited back for for the 50th anniversary. Um, And Moffat knew how much fun it would be to do a multi-master story, which has never been done before or since on screen, which is wild to think about how many multi-doctor stories we've had, but only one multi-master story? It's insane.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that is insane it, it was, like, doesn't help when would you it would get
1: yeah it is it doesn't help when most of the masters are dead you know
0: that's that's true also like plot wise like how many times can you really show the villain teaming up with himself to try and take over mm-hmm. the universe before it's like oh we're doing this again like, yeah. you really, you get maybe one or two times that you can actually do that. Whereas when the doctor meets up, it's like, oh, this is fun. Yeah, my favorite doctor's, woo, the hero. Like... Yeah, so Moffat um, needed time to
1: firmly establish uh, Missy as a character before doing a multi-master storyline. And he phoned Russell D. Davis to make sure he was okay with his master coming back. And Russell agreed because he really loved Missy. And the two men joked that the season should end with Missy telling the doctor and the master that she was pregnant. Which is uh, an interesting joke.
0: I mean, I mean that would have melted that would have melted the Doctor <laughs> Who fan. Like the entire the universe would have caught fire if that happened, you know? <laughs>
1: And um, John Sim then binge-watched all of the Capaldi episodes and loved Missy as a character. He didn't want to go back to review his own episodes because he was playing an older master, so that's why his performance is kind of different, I would say. It really works because, mm-hmm. you know, you, you believe that time has passed because John Sim does look visibly older
0: here. And it, it, I, yeah. I, I like
1: an older master. I like an older John Sim master. I really hope he comes back eventually.
0: I also like it leads. I, I'm really curious as to what John Sim thought of the Danny Pink storyline. Mm. Like, what did he think about that? What did he think about the episode "Killed the Moon"? What was his thoughts <laughs> on that one? Um, um, <laughs> like, I'd and... love to know what he thought about a lot yeah. of the episodes, especially especially a lot of the episodes in Series Eight. Like, Ooh, yeah, not not the best season, let's say. What did um, he think about the Forest of the Night? <laughs> well, like, <you> know, like
1: <laughs> <laughs> and um, we kind of alluded to this earlier, but this got leaked very early on. I think it was like a, a like a full week before series ten even aired, that we found out that John Sim was returning, which was a huge shame. Um, at the press launch on the fourth of April, twenty seventeen, a trailer was shown with the last three seconds showing John Sim and Moffat told all the press not to reveal the return. And that's kind of like asking sharks not to eat the shark bait that he threw into the pool, because, of course, yeah. the press are going to fucking reveal that the master came out. And eventually, you know, um, over like two days later, um, Dan Wooten from The Sun, who is... Um, under a lot of fire right now because he recently got fired from GB News and he's a terrible, terrible person. Uh, he leaked the news and Moffat immediately regretted showing the Master in the trailer. I don't understand why he did it in the first place. It's such a weird thing to show. Like, only three Just seconds excited. of John Sim. <laughs>
0: Just excited. But, he's like, ooh, John Sim's back. This'll be fun. Yeah, but...
1: You know, um... Again, I I almost forgot that John Sim was coming back when I was watching this episode because I was so captivated about what was going on with Bill. But came as such a surprise to me and all the horror elements of this episode and body horror elements really work well and it holds up really well. This episode is on fire. It's It's so good. It's so good. uh, It's like an episode I'd recommend people watch at Halloween. Even for part two Mm. of the episode isn't horror focused it's more of a you know personal stuff with bill so this is like a halloween night episode mm, whereas part two yeah. is like first of november episode if that makes sense
0: <laughs> yeah no that that makes sense and uh yeah i know i just like i miss the capaldi days as well because i feel like he was like especially his run when it was first coming out so underappreciated as the Doctor. Like, there, there was so much... Like, I remember so many people dismissive of him when he was yeah. announced as the Doctor. I, know, I knew so many people that stopped watching when he came on as the Doctor. And then Series 8 was like, I can't, like, actually convince yeah. anyone to watch this because it's not good. <laughs> but yeah. Series 9 and 10 is such a redemption for him. And I absolutely adore his era of Doctor Who so much. It's one of my favorite eras. And I... I wish I wish I had more of it, you know, I wish that era was more loved than it is, because it's so goddamn good.
1: But you know, we we chose the right era of Doctor Who to love because if we loved the Thirteenth Doctor Era, there's even less of it and people hate the Thirteenth Doctor Era a lot more. If we really loved it we'd we'd be trying to convince more people to love the Thirteenth Doctor Era. I think the twelfth Doctor Era is more appreciated.
0: yeah and now now it's more appreciated because they've seen how much worse <laughs> yeah. it can get but you know like if we were if we were the people that loved the 13th doctor's era we would straight up be different people i don't understand them <laughs> i don't understand i don't understand the people that are like the 13th doctor's era is the best tv i've ever yeah. seen in my life i love the doctor and Yaz so much oh my god i like what the fuck are you watching the same show that i am watching <laughs> like
1: Yeah, I I don't understand it either, but, you know, at least people do like it. At least it hit people in a positive way.
0: Yeah, at least somebody out there connected with what Chibnall was writing. Uh, You you
1: can't write off an entire era just because you dislike it. I think,
0: you know, the fact that people really liked it. it. (laughs) uh, When we're doing
1: the 13th Doctor in two weeks, uh, we'll have a lot to say about how certain story arcs were kind of just dropped, but you know <laughs> i love
0: it i loved, i loved i love the 13th doctor's era because of how mental it is like it's got so many problems i could like i i mean like it's like all we talk about the past like 2 years we've been doing this podcast yeah. we've spent uh, 95% of the time just being like <laughs> what was going on what's happening it's just constantly like Chibnall is such an enigma yeah. of a man and his era is so strange and... and it
1: sucks because there was some stuff to like it's just he dropped yeah. the ball at the end. It's really sad, but you know, I would still go back to watch some Jodie Whittaker episodes. But the whole run, probably I'll watch not. it.
0: I like. I'll watch the entire run when I'm going through the show yeah. chronologically, or when I'm like, if I'm sh- if I'm like watching the show with someone that's never seen it before, and we get onto Jodie's era, I'm not going to suddenly be like, ah, we can skip this. <laughs> I, like, I still think it's worth experiencing. Yeah especially for the first time like you go in you get blindsided by so much (laughs) (laughs) and you know i would
1: Uh, would never tell anybody to skip over the era of myself because you know they could love it they
0: could really love it yeah maybe and then if they do love it you know to not (laughs) be friends with them anymore (laughs) or maybe they could explain something to you there's no explaining madness there's no explaining madness uh, <laughs> but yeah, um,
1: World Enough in Time, great episode. Good episode. Such yeah, a fantastic
0: episode. And next week, we will be looking at the part two of this, The Doctor Falls, and ending our look at the Capaldi Era for this year, which is crazy that we're already finishing up Capaldi. Where has time gone? How are we almost at the 60th anniversary? My brain can't understand these things. Uh, I'm looking forward to covering that because I haven't watched this episode since it aired and I haven't Ooh. yet watched it at the time of recording, so I don't even know what I think about it. Maybe it sucks. I genuinely it's, it's remember fantastic. almost nothing from the episode. <laughs> I remember almost nothing from the episode, so I'm very much looking forward to watching that. Um, in the meantime you can find us here on youtube at youtube.com slash at who watches who pod where you can view us in video form and give us a like and a comment and a subscribe and all that jazz you can also listen to the podcast in audio form if that's your thing uh, we're on spotify apple podcast google Podcasts, amazon music it was an rss link all that stuff we have a facebook page facebook.com slash who watches who we have an x.com account at uh, watches doctor and you can find my gaming channel it's psychedelic gaming hobos and Besides all that nonsense, send us an email at whowatcheswhopod at gmail.com. You can see us next week when we cover The Doctor's Falls. Until then, bye!